the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get into our Friday show. Matt Smith can't be with us today. He has a long list of things he must get done, and then he is flying out to where I'm not exactly sure, but he's leaving at 5 o'clock in the morning. So he's going to bed probably at eh, 8 o'clock tonight. So he can get up and at least be somewhat, you know, awake, awake so he can get on the plane. So anyway, uh, he won't be here today. Look for him to come back uh, week after next, I believe, is when he said he'll be back to to uh, join us. Next visit of the Geek Squad, the 16th. Keep that in mind. Uh, they'll be here. Tim Lynn, uh, Lynn is going to be in. Uh, we'll expect that Shane will join us as well. And uh, uh, Mark will be with us also. Here in this first 45 minutes or so, I've asked my uh, friend in crime to join us, and uh, that is none other than Zach Thomas. Here he is in the studio with me. Don't look now, but somebody's bore somebody's boring holes in the back of your head. <laughs> Russ, was just, Russ was just staring at him. It was hilarious. No, I controlled his mic a little bit. No. Are you, was he trying to turn it on? You would turn it off? That's pretty much it. I turned it off and as he was talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I asked Zach to come in and because uh, I know that he's interested in Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. And I know Russ, Russ came to me. Russ very seldom comes to me and says, did you go see this movie? You know, to ask me what I thought of a movie, and today he said, "Did you go see Hobbs and Shaw?" You've already seen the Russ? No. Oh, okay. No, he he wanted to know what I thought of it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. The Rock and Jason Statham, mm-hmm. great chemistry. The chemistry is off the charts. Is but it as it, good it, as that showed Hart? in some of the Fast and Furious films? But done. but is it as good as The Rock and Kevin Hart's chemistry? No. Okay, but it's still great. But it's still great. Speaking of, Kevin Hart has uh, a pretty good-sized cameo in the movie, and he's got great chemistry with both of them. Right. And in the segment that he does with them, it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was laughing. I was belly laughing out loud in the theater. Yeah. Watch it. And so was other people. Yeah. It was very, very funny. I guess you can say Kevin Hart, is he one of those actors where he's probably great and reduce roles but you know he, he'll he make that role stand out nonetheless but you know as far as being the main attraction for a movie because i mean we've seen yeah, he's cent- done some pretty good what was the one where he was going back to high school well that's central intelligence with the rock no no not no, that no, one central intelligence one with the girl the girl where he was the electronic salesman that was oh that i forgot about that movie that was a funny movie i see i haven't seen it oh that's a funny movie you guys it's a good movie okay kevin hart's funny there's no doubt he can be funny i, know you're I talking saw about. he did a clip with uh, jimmy fallon the other night yeah 
where they went to an amusement park and they're going to ride some new roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Without, have you seen it? I have not. Okay. He's too short. They, 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 no, he made it. He made it on. He walked up, though, and the guy stopped him. And he goes, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man. I Goodness gracious. And they let him get on. And, but they had a mic, of course. And mm-hmm. Yeah, Hart swing, he, he screams like a little girl. Yeah. He really does. He didn't really... He really didn't like that roller coaster, I don't believe. They were in the front car. Well, you can tell whenever he's laughing or whenever he's talking or out of excitement, he sounds like he's like, man, have you grown since you were the age of like 12 or 13? He's hilarious. He's still the same. I just find the guy very, very funny. He is. I can't wait for Jumanji 2 this year. Yes. I was just going to bring that up Mm -hmm. because he was exceptional in the first one. Yes, he was. He was very very good. And you know who was really good in Jumanji? Who? Jack Black. I was just about to bring him up, too. You know, Jack Black has done kind of a series of crappy movies, and I'm he may have saved his life and his career, and by life, I meant career, Yeah. Uh, in Jumanji. Well, see, I hadn't seen him in a movie until then. You know, I hadn't watched him. I mean, what other well, he movies? Was in, he was in that Nickelodeon movie. Um, oh, no, you're not talking about... Um, with the book, the book, yeah, yeah, he was in that Goosebumps, he, Goosebumps, and he was okay. All right, he was okay in it, and then they cut him out basically in the second movie. Really, that, that part was. Mm-hmm. I think he wasn't. Now was it the house with clocks or whatever? He was in yeah. that one too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing kids movies, right? I'll be honest, he's doing kids movies. He's got to be wondering what happened to School of Rock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that was a good movie. He did good in that movie. Yeah. His, the part where the bottom fell out with him, King Kong. When he did Jackson's King Kong. Oh. Because he played denim in it. That's right. And he was terrible. I'm just saying, he was terrible. The guy is a comedian. He's not a dramatic actor. Oh, yeah. In and any they, way, shape, or form. Well, he had to pretend that he was a female, but he was just stuck in the man's body. And Jumanji, my goodness yeah. gracious, that it was, was good so... stuff. That was hilarious. It was very good stuff. He's uh, he's funny in that movie, and he'll be back for this next one. That entire cast was great. Everybody's back. Mm-hmm. That's good. Everybody's back for it, so it should be good. The other movie that everybody's back is going to be Double Tap for Zombieland. Oh, okay. That's no. what it's called. Zombieland is called Double Tap. <laughs> So you're not you're not interested in seeing it? You're not, you, I haven't seen the trailer for it yet. Did you mm-hmm. like the first one? I mean, I watched it, but... You didn't not, like it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, see, I, I really thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought Woody Harrelson was just the bomb in that movie. Yeah. And then, the, then, then, of course, the cameo with Bill Murray in it was... Re- and I'm hearing Bill Murray is in this one okay. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. But I just want to know how many Twinkies do they have? <laughs> For this movie, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just wondering how many Twinkies, because I love I'm a big Twinkie fan. You a big Twinkie fan, Ross? You like? I Twinkies? can't eat Twinkies anymore. You can't eat them anymore. I know. Being a diabetic, I can't eat Twinkies dude, anymore. Dude, I'm a diabetic as well, but and I eat a lot of crap. I should eat. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I see where you're at too. You're all no. all healthy and stuff. Yeah, well, like that's because I get on the weights and I get on the treadmill and do my thing. You talking about two Twinkies and everything? I'm just glad that Hostess is no longer down on MacArthur and North of the Rock because years ago it was there. 
And I used to go there all the time to get Twinkies, Honey Buns. Oh, all yeah. Those, they had the uh, the, the entire, you know. 50% off store well, there, basically. Sh- go buy some Wonder Bread and you get six loaves for a dollar. Exactly. <laughs> but you're not looking at the bread. You're looking at the Honey Buns yeah. and everything. And so, that was my cheap college days, boys. Yeah, of course. I did that stuff up in Jonesbury. Yeah, well, I still I still do it if it, if there's a place around. I don't know I if many of them that are around I, anymore. They'll have outlet stores like that. Yeah. I try to avoid the bread, the carbs. Well, yeah, I don't. If I eat bread, I eat multigrain. Bread. Yeah, that's all I eat. My wife, she loves white bread. I look at her and say, "Why do you eat white bread? It's like taking a handful of Crisco and just stuffing it in your mouth." As <laughs> far as I'm concerned. She, I don't eat that stuff. Well, well, I mean, look, I, I used to have cravings for white bread. I'd just go get wonder uh, a loaf of Wonder Bread. I could pull it out one piece at a time and stuff it. Yeah, it was good stuff. Did you did you eat? Did you put butter on it? Just have a butter sandwich. Oh, I've had butter sandwiches. <laughs> that's, that's some of the good bread stuff and butter from sandwiches. Bread and butter sandwiches. When I was growing up, <laughs> I ate my share of that. And you know what? I you know when I ate the most bread and butter sandwiches. The night before the fraternity party. That way, you could drink a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's when I was a whole lot younger, though. Goodness That's gracious. where I got my nickname of Ogre. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've told you about Dave Cavarda, my buddy in high school. We call him Ozzy Pig. Yeah. The only guy I've ever seen sit down and eat three Whoppers, a Whaler, Two orders of large fries, drink two chocolate shakes, and a and a Coke. Goodness. In one sitting. And it didn't take him no two hours to do it either. About 45 minutes. That would take me two weeks to do it. Know. And that's why we, from that moment on, he became Ozzy Pig. Wow. It was, he could eat. Mm. He would have found his niche now as yeah. a competitive eater. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think he could have been a great competitive eater. Sorry to say that he really got hooked on drugs and got messed up, and he's not with us any longer. Yeah. Last time I talked to him was in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I was working there back in the 90s. Yeah. And I was I was searching out people that I knew from high school, old compadres, and I found Doyle Banks, and you know Doyle now is out in Portland, Oregon, that'll tell you where he is in his head. Um, and then a few other people, I found them, and I found Ozzy, and he was a parking lot attendant mm. downtown Indianapolis. And when I talked to him, I didn't even recognize his voice. He had this real shrill kind of reedy voice, you know. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, but it was very obvious from talking to him that he was on short time. He died two years later. Yeah, he was a heroin addict, and then it was just sad. Just really, Sounds really like sad. the former center for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know that movie Concussion. You know one of the opening scenes was him in the parking lot in his truck, and he was injecting himself with uh, well, he was actually drinking or sniffing antifreeze. No, and um, yeah, he was actually doing Mike Webster. That's his name, <laughs> and uh, it's because of all the CT and all that all yeah. the hits he took as a center of a great team for so many years. He was sniffing antifreeze, and he was injecting himself with some stuff, whatever it was. Then he went too far, and he was gone, just like yeah. that. Yeah. It I, don't, was, I don't know how uh, David uh, died. I don't know yeah. if he just OD'd. I don't know if maybe life had gotten too much for him or what. Um, 
because I tried to get down. I, I asked him, hey, I want to come down. I will go out to dinner. No. No. Those, time, those times aren't for me anymore. I can't do that. He, he didn't want to see me. I talked to his brother after his funeral, and, his, and it was a closed, closed casket funeral, which told me a lot. And, and he just uh, said that David had gone off the deep end. And when I knew him, he was a, a guy that was about 5'11", probably <laughs> weighed 235. Heavy set guy. And uh, according to his brother, he only weighed 115 pounds when he passed. I wouldn't even recognize him at that. He was just a skeleton. So, yeah, you know, you, you, it just, you know, the best can get a hold of people. It just it all can get a hold of people. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. They'll take care of your, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears here because I'm getting myself depressed when I think about my buddies dying like that. Uh, but uh, PI Roofing, take good, good care of your roof for you. They're the best here in the central Arkansas area. I've used them. Uh, it's time for me to have them come back out to my house uh, and look at my roof again to make sure there's not some wear and tear that needs to be taken care of. doesn't look bad. Roof, when I'm sitting there on the, my deck and I can look at the roof, looks great. looks fantastic. The, you know, the turbines are working fine and looks like there's a good uh, uh, tar around the flash points and things of that nature. But I'll have them come out and take a good look at it and make sure it's fine because best leak is no leak. Let me just put it that way. Let me give you the the uh, the way a leak works. First of all, finds a place that it can enter through the uh, the shingles or around that flashing around those pipes that are on your on your roof. Maybe if you got a fireplace, things of that nature, you got to watch that those places. And then when the water gets in, uh, at that point, it's going to go through the felt that's on top of the. Uh, the plywood, then it'll make its way through the plywood. And from the plywood, it gets into your insulation. Then it makes its way through your insulation, uh, installation, not installation. Your <laughs> it gets, it gets That's down. promo reel, brother. Yeah, you can use that for a promo for sure. But it, it gets to the drywall and then gets to the drywall, whether it be between the, uh, the the drywall in the walls or on your ceiling, and it begins to really cause you a lot of damage. Now, make damage when it starts going through uh, the plywood on top. You can walk on your roof sometimes. Looks good, but then you can hit places that are real spongy, and that's because of the uh, the plywood. The folks at PI Roofing walk your roof They'll find places that may not mean that you need your whole roof done. Maybe just a small area or whatever. They'll take good care of you. Just go to piroofing.com. P-I-Roofing. One word. P-I-Roofing.com. Okay. You, uh, let's see. I'm looking here. Baez just hit a two-run home run. Yeah. 3-1. All right. Anyway, he was asking, and I was trying to look it up. I just found it. So just let the man know here. Zach and I... Our big baseball fans, mm-hmm. what can I tell you? Anyway, Cubs are playing a uh, afternoon game. They need these three. They could take these three. That'd be great. But they should not play so early after last night, though. I, they're playing all three games are one twenty starts. Gosh, it's on MLB uh, right T- now on mm-hmm. TV. That's channel two thirteen, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, and I could actually watch this game if I was at home. If it was St. Louis, you can't watch nope. the game because of the way they've uh, knocked. 
uh, knocked him out because of uh, this, this uh, Fox Sports mm-hmm. or whatever. All the contracts with um, Dish Network, Sling TV, and all these. You know, I don't know if I got if if that's the case with. Uh, Direct TV because I got Direct TV. I don't yeah, know if I think the same you're thing fine, going on. But like I said, it's just going to be blacked out anyway because if you play St. Louis or Kansas City, Houston, another or team, or the Rangers, the Rangers, yes, this it's other ridiculous. Team. I'm, I'm, you know, well and good. I think they need to get rid of that clause. In They've the contract. got to. You know, you don't continue to build fan bases and stuff if you black people out from games. You pay too much money for these services, yes. especially for MLB Network, and I pay for the NBA League Pass. Because I probably will leave MLB Network next next year. Really? Well, the Cubs are opening or starting. They're going to oh, do what, like the New York Yankees have done, yeah. and they're going to have their and the Dodgers. They're mm-hmm. going to have their own network gotcha and i'll pay to to watch that but if i they can dis- watch every game well they so they won't black out the cardinals games evidently not Ooh. well yeah you'll definitely be playing for that then that would make sense yeah okay. so that'd be well worth it for me because that's the team i'm interested right in, you yeah. know and i'm definitely interested when they play the cardinals because it's one of the greatest rivalries in 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 sport it truly is it truly is you know, the only other rivalries that i can think of that are Anywhere near that would be Yankees, uh, Red the, Sox. Yeah, young Yankees, Red Sox, Giants, and Jets. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else would be really good? Uh, I mean, Atlanta doesn't have a real any kind of uh, person because nobody's close to their market. But no. I'm mean, just saying. I mean, mm-hmm. White Sox, Cubs is a huge rivalry as yeah. well, but not as much as it has been because Sox stink right now. Yeah. You know, right. it's that simple. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not in it. Although when they play, what you never know what's gonna it? happen. What? When have the White Sox ever been in it? They were in it just a few years back. Not they were long ago. And plus they won their World Series Who's fourteen it? years ago. Kernuckle or whatever that guy's name yeah, was. Yeah, that's I forgot. Yeah. Kernuckle. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's a great player. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I remember when look, I'm old enough I remember Nellie Fox and mm-hmm. Louis Apparicio and people like that. So you know they've had they've had their runs before, like Frank Tom- Thomas. You know, he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as long as Reinsdorf owns that team, probably will never <laughs> get close. It's like when the Cubs were owned by the Wrigleys. Yeah, you know, by the gum people. No progression. They I know they know gum, but they don't know baseball. Yeah, or yeah, they do baseball, but they also knew that they liked their their dollars more than they like players yeah or they like baseball 20 years ago as opposed to the saber metrics and all everything mm, you know yes. today that you need to be up to date on yeah it's just like with basketball you know you have your gms and owners who you know they think about the game back in the 90s when there was a post up you know slower game but today it's fast paced you got advanced uh, metrics and statistics statisticians statisticians yeah and um you know, you just gotta. You know, there's some. I go with that stuff to a certain point, but there is a point where there become is is called intangibles. I think you need a balance. All right, so let me go back and finish up what I was saying about intangibles yeah. because it's really important. There are ball players in baseball and football and um, basketball. That if you just went by analytics, mm-hmm. would never have played the game. Let yes. me give you a, a good example. Let's go to Atlanta basketball. Yeah. Spud Webb. That is true. Spud Webb would have never mm-hmm. got to the NBA if it was all about analytics. Right. 
Because he was too small. Yeah. They said he was too small. He proved that he wasn't too small. Well, you know what? You know, I'm thinking of a player, you know, of course he's an all-time great. I think of Shaquille O'Neal. He would be great in any era. But I think in this era, because of the analytics, because teams go smaller at the center position. Yeah. Because they want to pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. And they want to put you out of your position. So Shaq, if he's guarding someone that's six feet seven, who's out on the perimeter... That's going to give him trouble. Yeah, he's you in know, trouble. Yeah. He's in trouble. And so, you know, today, if he was playing today, he's going to be great nonetheless. But still, he'll be vulnerable out there, especially defensively. He yeah. was never great. And, def- you know, that's kind of that's mm-hmm. kind of an analytical look. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. look, um, you could put Shaq still in, and maybe he's not the guy that goes out to the to the edge of the the, the line right. for a three pointer. Mm-hmm. But you let him control. Mm-hmm. In the paint. Yeah. He that man sti- could control the paint. He would still cause chaos down low, no doubt, yeah. offensively. And that's where you would keep him. Well, yeah. It's just that whenever they go and play defense, you know, they're going to put Draymond Green, who's on the 6 7. Let's put him on Shaq, you know. So when he, Shaq, Draymond's well, bringing the ball up the court. You got to just have players that know when to, when to peel off the guy that they've got, let Shaq pick up on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to have help defense. That's all. Well, he would definitely to. back off of Draymond because Draymond can't shoot, so that would help him <laughs> in that case. You know, he would. But let me give you mm-hmm. in football, uh, uh, McMahon, quarterback for the Bears. But you know what? Never would have analytically. No, I actually think he would do better today because actually analytics doesn't make a huge impact in football as opposed to baseball and basketball. Those two sports is where analytics has made the huge impact. Football. I think because today's game is more freer because defenses aren't allowed to be as physical. I think Jim McMahon behind the good offensive line would actually be better today yeah, than he but, was. But think this: this is what I'm trying. This point that I'm trying to make, Zach, is yeah. that analytics have played a part in sports, right? Since the founding of sports, yeah. I mean, Jim McMahon was not tall enough. By by NFL standards, to play quarterback because mm. he can't sit, he couldn't see over his mm-hmm. offensive lineman, mm-hmm. but he proved that he could. And you know why he will be great today? Because that how tall was Jim McMahon? I need six one. Six one. Well, guess what? He's, That's short. He's two inches taller than Russell Wilson. I well, I understand yeah. that, mm-hmm. but I'm just. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get what you're saying about but the it's people like McMahon that broke down the barriers that allowed people like Russell Wilson right. to be used as a quarterback. That's right. Yeah. To be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what you can't measure, bottom line, for instance, in baseball, you can't, there's there's players out there, uh, I'll tell you, a guy you probably never heard of, Richie Hebner. You ever heard that name? I have not. Okay. Played first base for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. Okay. But not in, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure he's not in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. But he was a kind of hard-nosed ball player. Yeah. That if you needed a base hit, he would have figured out how to get the base. If it was to lay down a button, and he was not that type of a player. Uh, I mean, he he dragged bump button. He's a left-handed hitter. Yeah, he's leaving the the box almost and hitting the ball with the bat. Mm-hmm. All right, so he's got two steps on you going to first base. Yeah, and uh, now Hebner may not have even played all that much. Yeah. To be honest. He was a guy you could depend on for any situation. Like, you know, he can get it done in a situation. And it goes beyond the stats. There's other players in every sport. It wouldn't matter 
how they look at it. Mm-hmm. They're so athletic, so fantastic right. that they'd always would have played. Yeah. Roberto Clemente. Right. That's a perfect example mm-hmm. of a ball player that was just an all-around great ball player. Yeah. Look, I'm not a Pittsburgh Pirate fan by any stretch of the imagination, but when I can go to Wrigley Field and Don Kessinger standing on second base mm-hmm. and Al Spangler drives the ball to the wall. Yeah. Over in left field. And Roberto Clemente catches the ball at the wall. Kessinger's tagged and he's coming. And he's thrown out by three steps to third base. That's I mean, cr- I saw a, I'm talking a frozen rope. That's crazy. From the wall to third base. That ball didn't come off the grass by more than six feet. Yeah. Just a straight line laser shot. I've never seen anybody with an arm like that. Wow. I mean, on one step. Goodness. And not moving towards the ball. Difference if you're moving towards mm-hmm. the ball and you're a base runner, you know better than try to go, all right? Right. That guy's got all that momentum and he can throw you out. Right. Even if he's got a crappy arm, probably. After that, I never saw the Cubs try to run again from second base. Goodness. You know? Unbelievable. That's a boogeyman for I you. I would have liked to have seen that. If he had to play from third base to home plate, I wonder if he could get people at home plate. I never mm. saw that, uh, but I'm just telling you, that was one ball player I got to see during the golden age, and the second golden age is what it's called, the baseball, that I'll never forget, Roberto. Willie Mays, never forget him. Yeah. Um, Stargell, mm-hmm. never forget him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was about him. I was in my late 20s when you know the whole family with the pittsburgh pirates you know, we are there. you know that whole thing you know when they when they won the world series and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. so I, yeah i'm just talking there's there's some ball players i mean uh you no know, man you could just plug up that's why we call montana them montana oh. everybody no one thought he'd be the kind of player he was in the nfl that is right that i is mean t- he was a good college ball player but mm-hmm. he wasn't a superstar. No, Joe Walsh took him. I mean, Bill Walsh took him under his wing, and I mean, he turned him into something special. Well, that whole that whole uh, that West offense, Coast West Coast offense mm-hmm. was perfect mm-hmm. for him. It was, and then he had yeah, he had, he had Dwight out there at, at tight end. Yeah, it wasn't there behind him at running back who could do everything. Yeah. I mean, that's when man who can run and a man who can catch exactly and, and do that. Mm-hmm. You can say you got Jerry Rice. <laughs> That's Jerry Rice. <laughs> have you ever met Jerry Rice? No. Have you ever have you ever seen a close up of him? Have you ever seen his hands? I've heard about them. His hands are huge. They're That's huge. Him, Michael Jordan, and um, oh yeah, Michael Jordan has big hands gosh. too. Unbelievable. Even today's on Kawhi Leonard. Now, why don't you look at Fred showing his hands? Those look small to Jordan. Exactly. Just saying. He would engulf those. Yeah. That's a just... big. Come over here, Fred. Shh. Come over here. I'll bring him over here for for you guys that are watching on uh, on uh, our uh, Facebook page right now. He's coming over. I'm going to have him show you his hand. Show show your hand to the camera right here. Let everybody see you. This is, here's Fred. Fred's Fred's one of our sales reps. He's got big hands, right? Mm-hmm. Jordan's is almost twice as big as that. I can cover Zach's face. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad. He got a little head. You know, he had one. He had one of those run-ins on uh, with, uh, what was the guy's name uh, in the movies that uh, they shrunk his head. Hey, come on, you're thinking about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Oh my that's goodness! It. He's got that Beetlejuice head. 
All right. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Anyway, so Dave Ellswick, you've got to get a break in. I promise we'll quit talking about sports. I could do sports talk, too. I, I love know. sports, I know. man. I'm big on sports. My problem is, is I wouldn't put up crap with these young whippersnappers today that think people playing today are the greatest thing since canned beer or, or peanut butter and jelly. Mm. They're not. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. More coming your way in just a moment. All right, back with you. Hey, coming up in the next half hour, uh, when we go in from 3 to 3.30 and a little bit beyond, uh, we're going to have uh, Senator Ted Cruz on tape, and we're going to play it for you, where he's talking to the Young Americans Conference here recently, talking to a bunch of college students, and talking to them about socialism. Yeah. And I want to play it because it's really, really good. And i got a whole lot of other material we haven't got to yet. Uh, of course, here in the studio with me, Zach Thomas is here. Zach and I uh, got on to sports as we do a lot of times just sitting around in the office and talking uh, but we also talk movies a lot and i'll tell you about uh hobbs and sean just a second i'll i'll get into it a little bit more for you i need to tell you about the folks over at uh, applied research and what's going on with them they're at 11524 north rodney Parham uh here in little rocks over there by the burger king uh just before you get to henson road and great place to go because they are a walk-in clinic as well. They do more than just their testing. They're also a walk-in clinic. You walk in there, not feeling good. You need to see a physician uh, to help you figure out what's going on. You know, you got sniffles. Maybe you think you got the flu or whatever. They take care of all of that for you. And right now, we're not that far from uh, school getting back in. I think we're a week away this coming Tuesday. I think we'll only be a week away from school getting underway. They're doing school physicals right now. So, you know, stop by, take a kid over there. They'll take good care of them. 11524 North Rodney Parham uh, here in Little Rock, and uh, they're in West Little Rock. And don't forget their phone number, 501-954-9822. Then they have a lot of tests, arcarkansas.com. Go to the website. A-R-C, Arkansas, one word, dot com, and you'll see everything that they have as far as the studies go, that you can make some money being part of them, get free medicine, all of that. That's A-R-C, Arkansas, dot com. All right, back. Let's talk a little bit more here with uh, our man here, Zach. Zach, I have been pleasantly surprised and uh, by how well The Rock is doing in movies. Okay. I mean, let's go back to one of his early endeavors where he was with Carl Urban, who I love. Okay. Oh, yeah. That guy's a great actor. This new show, The the Boys, Mm -hmm. that both of us are watching, he's very good in this. That's right. And uh, he was... I think they should make a a Judge Dredd 2. I agree. And let him play judge dread again he's much better than stallone was i've watched that so many times oh, <laughs> couldn't hardly understand what he was saying but you under, you, you got the drift yeah right? except carl did it and he was really good at he it. was menacing you know he didn't have to say anything you know you just yeah. look him like gosh i don't want to do anything you know around okay, him. okay so who is carl urban bones in the star trek movie he played that's bones. right Everybody yeah. forgets that he played Bones. Mm-hmm. And what was really 
wild is that he picked up the cadence and sound of DeForest Kelly from the TV show. Did mm. you notice that? He I almost did. sounded like him. Nope. Yeah, he had it down. He he had it down. I mean, really Goodness. did. But he's really a good actor. But anyway, um, yeah, Carl Urban is, is awesome, all right? And he and... Um, the Rock were in a movie together early on, early two thousands. That it should have been a better movie than it was. Cause it has a it has a pretty good cast in it. Come on, I'm trying remember? to think of yeah. What's the name? Doom. Oh, that's right. That's totally right. That's on TV so much. They made the movie Doom mm-hmm. together. Yep. There's a lot of other people that are in that movie. They were very very good. That's true. Right? The guy that was here, I can't. I don't know his name. All okay, right? but. He was in that Fox series, The Exorcist. All right. He played one of the priests. Okay. He was in that movie, Doom, and mm-hmm. he was good in that, too. He was the kind of religious guy mm-hmm. in the movie, uh, Doom. So, anyway, that, that it was, um, I mean, Rosa, was it Rosamund Bud Pike or whatever? <laughs> yeah, right? Rosamund Pike. Yeah, yeah she mm-hmm. was in it. She played the female Gosh, lead in it. I goodness. mean, look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm checking off pretty good actors and actresses here. The director stank in that movie, evidently. That's crazy. All I can figure. But, you know, so he's gone from that Mm -hmm. to the movies he's done now. Right. What movie do you think turned the corner for him? Gosh. I have to look through his catalog and see because. let's, Let's check that out because something changed. He did something that changed it for him. I think that could be the type of movies he's starring in. Because like I said, when he first appeared in the Fast Five and they asked the Enforcer, you know, trying to take them down because of what they were doing, I thought that was a great role because, I mean, hey, you look at the guy. You know, he's six feet five and he just, he looks the part. But then I think these movies like Jumanji, um, what else has he been in? Um, Central Intelligence. Oh yeah, he's so good in that. I think it's the type of movies he's actually in, and I think it's I think that's probably when he he turned the corner as an actor is that you just put him in the right movie in the right role and he'll do, he'll do a great job. Okay, do you realize that he's done a hundred and nine movies now? Not surprised. Done a hundred and nine movies, and I'm going through. I'm looking at some of the new stuff that he's going to do. Yeah. It looks really really good. I can't wait to see him as Black Adam. I can't yeah. wait for that. Of course, on HBO, Ballers. Yes, he's great in that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just run back over the last few years. He has had a couple of stinkers. Yeah. All right. Rampage was good last year. Skyscraper was good. Then watch it. All right. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Baywatch, stinker. Mm-hmm. All right. Stinker. Uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Great movie. Perfect. Uh, the Fate of the Furious, very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Central Intelligence, very good. Yep. Uh, Moana, yes, very good. Yeah, he just did the voice, but the voice. he did good. That's right. Go back to twenty. He did a little bit of Supercharge for Fast and the Furious. Okay, Fast and the Furious Seven, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we did? San Andreas, not a bad movie. That's right. I Fun agree. movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Hercules. Kind of a stinker. Yeah. Wasn't really, really good, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Empire State in 2013. That's right. He was good in that. That's true. All the way back to Fast and the Furious 2013. I tell you, the movie that I think may have started changing things for him okay. 
were the Mysterious Island movies. That would have been 2012. He would have turned... He did um, Fast Five in 2011. Yep. Okay. So that's the movie for me, because he turned 39 in 2011. So he would have been... I think he probably came with experience. He did The Other Guys in 2010. He was in that. That's right. He was in The Tooth Fairy in 2010, (laughs) which was not bad for what it was. And, uh, yeah, before that, not so much. Race to Witch Mountain. Yeah. Mm, No, it was not. But let me just give you, you know, when you get hot, you get hot. G.I. Joe did good job with G.I. Joe. You look at what's coming up, though. Have you been looking at what he's got on the horizon? I don't. All right. He's doing uh, an untitled Dwayne Johnson action comedy. Hmm. Okay. Can I say Central Intelligence 2? Give it to coming. us. San Andreas 2. Oh. Coming back with that. Okay. Doc Savage. Yes. All right. Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Remake Big Trouble in Little China. And then another one that I don't know what it's all about called Alpha Squad 7. But Black Adam and Doc Savage, if you think he's a big star now, wait till he does those two movies. I mean, if anyone has Black seen, Adam is going to be just outrageous. Have you seen the good. pictures of him as yes, Black Adam? Huge. It's like this guy's just perfect. Like, that's yeah. him. It's in pre production. They're getting it ready, getting ready to shoot it. You know, there were probably a lot of expectations on him as coming into the, the uh, movie industry because he was the rock as a wrestler and, you know, he could talk his mouth off and, you know, oh, he could. He, let me tell you something that's in <laughs> this new movie. He and his little girl are talking, doing some FaceTime. Okay. In the movie. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they. They start doing the people's eyebrows. Oh, my goodness gracious. It no. was. You're going to love it, Ross. Oh. It's great. <laughs> Johnson starts doing the people's eyebrow in Hobbs and Shaw. It's hilarious. Goodness. Man. I mean, and he draws attention to it. Oh, my God. So, he's, you know, he's made, his daughter, the, the girl who plays his daughter, is making fun uh-huh. of his eyebrow. She goes, come on, Dad. Do the eyebrow thing. Uh. <laughs> it was. It's hilarious. You're going to uh, watch for that part. That's not spoiling anything. I'm going to flip it's out when just, I see that. Oh, it's oh so, my God. It's so funny. It is so, it's so funny. It really, really is. So, yeah, if you're looking for an action movie, if you like Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. that's all this is, is a, is a spinoff. Yeah. And it's a spinoff because The Rock and Diesel couldn't get along mm-hmm. in real life. Nor on the set. That's true. So they've spun them off, and they've got a whole different group of movies they're going to give us now with him in, in uh, Statham. And yes. Statham was great in the last movie. Gosh. The thing where he's saving that kid on that plane is, and that little baby they used was awesome. That is so tr- It was just <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you got to see the movie. you enjoy it. It's going to do big Big box office Goodness. this weekend. Next weekend, it'd be Bedtime Stories. We'll talk about that next week. But bedtime anyway, stories. you want to see that. Oh, yeah. Don't you remember Bedtime Stories? Scholastic used to do that with their, their books. Yeah, mm-hmm. We'll talk about it later. we got to get a break. we got news coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Move into the 3 o'clock hour. 
And uh, I came across a piece of audio that I wanted to share with you. We do this ever so often. This one with Senator Ted Cruz, who many of you know was my first choice back in 2016. Uh, but uh, as that primary went along, I could see that Trump was the man and was the man that was uh, probably impossible to be beat. And we were right about that. But he is out talking to uh, young American Republicans. These are college-aged uh, Republicans. I think this was over from this last weekend. And he, he's talking about something that uh, needs to be talked about with college-aged uh, kids and high school, late uh, high school-aged kids, and that's socialism. Because I do not believe that many college kids nor high school kids really have a firm grasp about it. And with that in mind, I've got this, it's about 30 minutes long, so we'll break this up into two pieces. You'll get to hear it all here over this half hour and, and into the next. But it's uh, you listen to this, and I think you're going to enjoy it. And this is the reason why our listenership here at 101.1 FM, the answer is a whole lot younger than what it typically is at a news talk station. And uh, it's because we do things like this. Here is Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. She said she heard this gathering was dangerous. <laughs> Infected with ideas that are harmful if you're a big government autocrat. These ideas are also dangerous if you are a woke lefty, if you are an oh-so-precious Hollywood celebrity, if you are a university administrator, the ideas that are represented in this room are terrifying. For those watching at home on C-SPAN, there are no safe spaces in this room. <laughs> Tyranny has been with us since the dawn of time. Big government, the power of the government to control your life has been with us from the dawn of time. And let me tell you, the men and women gathered here, Hollywood and the universities and Nancy Pelosi and the 22 dwarves on the debate stage, <laughs> they are all right to be terrified of the ideas you believe in. I'm just going to give you two words of encouragement, and then very quickly we're just going to open this up to Q&A. But I want to start with number one. Defend liberty. If you want a core ground to stand on, defend liberty. Liberty works. Liberty is powerful. Liberty unleashes human spirit. And by the way, yes, sir, works, but hell yeah, works as well. Yeah. 
Listen, our country is in the middle of, of a vast debate, a vast argument about what direction to go. The Democratic Party has gone stark raving nuts. That's a medical term, by the way. Look, they are galloping so far left, but listen, the big debate we're having is socialism versus free enterprise. And I got to say, it's terrifying. We've all seen the stats that show up to 50% of young people think socialism's a good idea. Each of you here, y'all are on the front lines taking that argument on. Look, we should welcome that. We should revel in that argument. Why? Because socialism has been a manifest disaster, an absolute failure all over the face of the globe. Socialism has been responsible for suffering and misery and poverty and death of billions across the planet Earth. Take a look at Venezuela. Venezuela in the 1950s was the fourth wealthiest country in the world. Number four, GDP per capita. Then you had the socialist, Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro come in, take over the economy, destroy private enterprise, destroy the hopes and futures of that country. The people of Venezuela right now are literally eating out of trash cans in the alleyways. That's what socialism brings you. You know, Ronald Reagan had a great way of putting it. In the middle of the Cold War, he said, the things liberals never seem to notice is on the Berlin Wall, the machine guns all point one direction. As a Cuban, I have a different way I like to put it. The thing liberals never seem to notice if you go down to the Florida Keys is the rafts are all going one direction. Just once, I'd like to see some Hollywood liberal head down to Florida, jump on an inflatable raft, head 90 miles south to the socialist utopia that is communist Cuba. Freedom works, and by the way, with young people. What young person in your right mind would want government to control every aspect of your life? You want to talk about an argument to use with your peers, with your classmates. When you see each of these Democrats saying the government should be in charge of everything, of the economy, of health care, of education, what they're saying is some nameless, faceless bureaucrat in a windowless office in Washington, D.C. should control your life. We've got instead a message that is much more powerful than that, which is the person in charge of your life is you. And freedom across the board, it should be your choice. Education should be your choice. What kind of education you want. Your career should be your choice. What you do with your life. Your speech should be your choice. What you say. Your faith should be your choice. Who you worship. Your liberty should be your choice. Not some damn bureaucrat in Washington.
You know, I remember in the 2016 campaign, I would encounter young Bernie supporters. You can usually scare them out of a place by telling them they have to get a job. That'll clear them right out of a room. But I would fairly regularly tell them, I'd say, you know, I agree with Bernie. They'd look at me really puzzled, like, what what, what do you mean you agree with Bernie? I said, look, Bernie says Washington is corrupt. He says both parties are in on it. Both parties, they get in bed with big business and special interests and lobbyists. And they benefit the rich and powerful at the expense of the working men and women in this country. I said, you know what? Bernie's absolutely right. That is what's happening. The only place I disagree with Bernie is on the solution. If Washington is corrupt, why on earth would you want to give Washington more power? Defend liberty is powerful. And by the way, if you care about social justice, the left likes to talk about how wonderfully they care. Listen, I care deeply about social justice. The greatest enemy poverty has ever seen in the history of the universe has been the American free enterprise system. You want to lift people out of poverty? You don't take over the economy. You don't put the government in charge of the economy. Instead, you unchain and you unleash free men and women to start businesses to pursue their dreams, their passion, and no society has lifted more people out of poverty than the United States of America and free enterprise. All right, second thing I want to encourage you, have fun. Look, frankly, too many Republicans, too many conservatives, they act like they got a stick inserted somewhere it don't belong. Like, just lighten up and laugh. Would it kill you to have some fun? You know, a number of weeks ago, someone on Twitter tweeted out a meme that you can find all over the place that is, Ted Cruz ate my son. (laughs) I saw it. I promptly retweeted it and said he was delicious. And listening, listen, have fun matters especially now because the left, they are so darn angry. How many radical leftists does it take to screw in a light bulb? That's not funny. Like, God bless. And by the way, I encourage you all to spend some time on YouTube going back in time to when comedy was actually funny. The hard left is so politicized that comedy has been killed. Look, the late night hosts, they're unwatchable now. Every joke on late night TV consists of, I hate Donald Trump. Okay, all right, we got it. You're not a Trump fan. Okay, joke number two. No, I really hate Donald Trump. Joke number three. No, I can't stand Donald Trump. 
after the 7,000th, 249th time, it's like, is there anything else you can joke about? Gosh, could anyone think of any comedy that could be done, say, of the Democratic debates we're watching? By the way, I will tell you, I'm probably the only person in this room who is, in fact, received a special back rub from Joe Biden. (laughs) You, You know, sometimes little puppy dogs behave like that. But you can usually train them out of it. (laughs) You know, how about a game show? Let's give away free stuff. You know, with Bernie in the middle. Oh, I think that should be free. Of course that's free. Everything. We have a magic money tree. (laughs) A couple of years ago, I debated Bernie three different times on, on CNN did town halls, and we had one, one, one on Obamacare, two on tax policy. In the tax debate, I, I asked him, I said, Bernie, look, I admire the fact that you're honest. You, you actually admit you're a socialist. You, you are not a member of the Democratic Party. You are an avowed socialist. So he said, I, I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between a Democrat and a socialist on tax policy? And he sat there silently for about five seconds. And then he said, I don't know the answer to that. I said, yeah, neither do I. We actually clipped that, put it out, and put it to the music of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But having fun matters because when the left is so angry, so bitter, so filled with rage, don't give in to the temptation to be just as angry on the other side. Be happy, warriors. Be cheerful. That is powerful. It is winsome. And we've got an easy reason to be happy and truthful because what we're saying works, because freedom works. If you had to sell the pile of stinking crap they're trying to sell, you'd be angry too. (laughs) But the contrast can be night and day between demonstrating the values that we believe in, that make America great, that make America extraordinary. Demonstrate that in contrast, and that's how you reach out and inspire, not in a Joe Biden sense of touch, but reach out and inspire fellow young people. All right, with that, let's open it up for questions. All right, I just heard someone call out about the beard. I do have to tell you a quick funny story, and then we'll do questions. So I have a good friend of mine who's studying in yeshiva in Jerusalem, and he sent me an email. He said he was talking with a rabbi that he's studying with, and he said the rabbi said he really likes the beard, and he said the beard has a rabbinical and Talmudic look, which will put fear in the enemies of Israel and bring peace to the Middle East.
All right, the uh, last of this presentation from uh, Senator Cruz. He's going to take some questions, get some great answers. That's uh, now on the Dave Ellswick Show. I tweeted those comments out. I said, well, well, that may be a bit much. Uh, All right, go ahead. Hi, Senator Cruz. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Rory Men, and I'm from Binghamton University. Like you, I compete in parliamentary debate. However, at tournaments, well-intentioned but misguided policies about political correctness have been quashing our freedom of speech and our free expression of ideas. It is incredibly frustrating, but it seems to be a microcosm of what's going on in our national dialogue. Do you have any prescription of how we can improve our level of discourse at the local and national level to restore the meaningful and important conversations that have been defining to make our democracy as great as it is? So so elaborate a little bit on how how political correctness is, is impacting college debate. I'd love to. So at the beginning of every round, we're asked to write our gender pronouns on the board. It, get, it gets a little bit worse. Um, if our cases are a little bit edgy, we have to trigger warn before the each round. If we say something... <laughs> if we say something a little bit too offensive, we can get equity called and then kicked out of the tournament and shunned by the league. Wow. And then also, they have gender minority tournaments where men are just banned from competing entirely. Whoa. (laughs) We're all going to (laughs) die. Look, one of the saddest things we're seeing is our colleges and universities are trying really hard to raise a generation of pansies. <laughs> like, what is this sense that you have a right not to be offended? You have a right not to hear ideas that are scary. Look, the entire purpose of university is to hear ideas that are scary. I talked about being a happy warrior, not a daisy-wearing daffodil priest. (laughs) Like, like, like it it really is not that frightening. I'll tell you, when I went to college, when I went to law school, I was surrounded by leftists. I took classes from Marxists. And by the way, I don't find Marxism just sort of cute and chic. (laughs) Guy down the hall from me, sophomore year in college, had a poster of Che Guevara on the wall. And I remember going into to his dorm room, and I said, hey, man, that is really cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> Have you thought of maybe putting a, a Hitler next to it? <laughs> hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage over in Jacksonville. It's the place to go if you want to recycle auto parts. You want to be green. This is a good way of doing it and saving yourself a lot of money. I mean, that's what I've always said. I'll go green when it saves me green, and it's done that for me. I've got two cars. I've replaced the engines in both because I don't want a new, brand-new car payment. Just don't want that. I mean, car payments now, now for the most part, if you want a, a decent car, a, a fairly uh, medium-sized car or bigger, are, are uh, incredible. You can get up over $1,000 a month on car payments anymore. I I don't want that. It cuts back on the lifestyle I want to live. And so 
what I've done is gone to Sonny's and uh, get a, uh, oh, you know, a, a used uh, engine uh, out of a total loss vehicle. Now, just because a car has been in a wreck and you can't drive it anymore doesn't mean that it destroyed the engine or destroyed the transmission or whatever. Uh, R.D. Hopper, the owner of Sonny's, goes out and buys those types of cars, pulls out the usable parts, tests all of those usable parts, like the uh, engines and transmissions, make sure that they're running uh, exactly the way they should be, and then sells them to his customers. I can tell you that that is a whole lot cheaper than a brand-new car payment every month, maybe for the next five to seven years, or a rebuilt engine or a rebuilt transmission. You can save a lot of money doing it this way. Going green can save you green over at Sonny's uh, Auto Salvage. Call them, talk to them if you need a part, 501-982-7451. Everything's got a warranty, one, two, three years. 501-982-7451, and that's for Sonny's. By the way, we're listening to uh, Senator Ted Cruz in a speech that he gave uh, to uh, young Americans. These are college-age kids. Uh, conservatives, and uh, they were eating it up about what he's talking about, socialism. Now they're asking him questions. Let's get back to it. Awesome. Have you thought of maybe putting a, a Hitler next to it? <laughs> maybe Mao, Stalin. Listen, if you're going to celebrate evil, torturing, murderous sons of bitches, really, Che was an amateur. I mean, there are much worse guys to pick up. But I would deliberately sign up to take classes from Marxists. Now, my family has been tortured by communists in Cuba. It's personal to me, but you know what? Truth is not afraid of lies. The light is not afraid of darkness. It is good for you to confront ideas that scare you. And this idea, the idea that debaters, someone runs an offensive case, Okay, there's a much better solution to that, which is ridicule the living crap out of them. <laughs> I mean, the marketplace can handle, if you have a dumb idea, you don't need Big Brother to come in and say, this is a dumb idea. <laughs> you need people who know how to confront idiocy. It's, it's part of this, this politically correct idea that, okay, we shouldn't hear offensive speech. Listen, there's lots of offensive speech in the world. You take the Nazis, you take the Klan. They're imbeciles. They're racist, bigoted morons. So why are you scared of them? Why would you want to silence them? Why would you want to react like, oh, I'm terrified. If someone hears your idiotic ideas, they might believe them. You know, we have an obligation when we see ideas like that to denounce them as ignorant and bigoted. But you don't silence them. You don't muzzle them. And so I would just encourage with debate, if people disagree with ideas, engage them and demonstrate why they're wrong. That's what debate's supposed to be all about. And that's also what college is supposed to be all about. Thank you so much.
Uh, hi, Senator Cruz. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us today, and thank you for all you've done in the conservative movement. Um, my name is Katrina Fee, and I go to the Catholic University here in D.C. And my question is, how do you think we can best advance the pro-life movement through the federal and state government that can't be reversed by the next liberal administration? It's a great question. You know, this is an issue, if you look at issues in the public arena, there's some issues on which we're moving forward, there's some issues in which we're moving back. Life is an issue, I think, on which we're making serious positive advances. This generation of young people is the most pro-life generation we've had in 50 years. And some of it is the pro-life movement, I think, very wisely focused on winning people's hearts and minds. This is where science uh, is, is beneficial. When you look at an ultrasound, listen, I'm a father, I have two little girls. There is nothing as powerful and profound as when you see the beating heart of your unborn child. I mean, it, it touches you, it moves you. One of my favorite moments, all right, so Caroline right now is 11, Catherine is eight. When Heidi was pregnant with Catherine, Caroline was two years old, and she had this blanket that she still has today, this horrible, nasty thing that she called Binky. That was her most precious thing in the world. I mean, she chewed on Binky. That thing, I'm pretty sure it had its own DNA and was a separate life form. (laughs) But she chewed on that thing, and she was talking to Catherine, her baby sister, still in her mommy's tummy. And I remember her going up and saying, Catherine want to chew on Binky? And Heidi and I both, that that noise, the awe was involuntary. We both like, it was from a two-year-old, a precious expression of love. And I do think as science has advanced, as we've understood how an unborn child develops with a beating heart, with fingers and toes and feelings and experiences pain, we're seeing the pro-life argument being won. Um, A wonderful, wonderful movie, which if you haven't seen, I would encourage anyone to see, is a movie called Unplanned. So it's the true story of Abby Johnson. She was the clinic director of the Planned Parenthood Clinic in College Station, Texas. She was, she was a Planned Parenthood employee for eight years, and she became so utterly horrified by what she saw that she left. And she tells her story in this, in this movie. I've met Abby. One of the things I really like about the movie is it's not cartoonish. It doesn't, so for example, they have a scene in there where pro-life protesters are really nasty and horrible. And I was glad for that. I didn't want it to be just a good versus evil, white hat, black hat. You know, Abby has said she wanted that movie to be a love letter to the employees at Planned Parenthood. And it's interesting how it characterizes the doctors and nurses who work there, not as these like caricatures with fangs, but as real human beings who are trying to do good in their own way. And one of the amazing things about that movie is in the first few weeks, the movie ends with with giving a website a number to call if someone is working in the abortion industry and wants out. They had already had, within about a month of the movie coming out, over 1% of the workers 
at abortion clinics across the country had contacted them to say they wanted to get out. So I think we keep advancing towards a society that protects life by, by focusing on science, by moving people's hearts and minds, by telling stories, real stories, not by demonizing, not by vilifying. And I will say this, we're seeing at the same time that young people are becoming more pro-life, we're seeing that the Democratic Party is getting more and more radical and extreme. So Hillary Clinton's position on abortion is that she supports unlimited abortion on demand up until the moment of birth with taxpayer funding and no parental notification or consent. We sent her to exile. Nine percent of Americans agree with her. That means 91 percent of Americans look at that position and say, no, that's not where I am. And if you look at the 20 on the debate stage, just about every one of them embraces that same extreme position. Anyone remember the name Ralph Northam? By the way, has anyone noticed that Ralph Northam's name has just disappeared from the news? It's almost like it doesn't exist. Oh, no, 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 the media couldn't say that. So Northam, before the scandal about his yearbook page with a Klan suit on it, before that broke, you had an interview he did where he described and advocated for post-birth abortion. And if you haven't watched it, you really ought to watch it. Because, look, he's a medical doctor. He describes how his approach would be to deliver a child, to make that child comfortable, to secure the child, and then discuss with the parents, what do you want to do with the child? The hell do you mean, what do you want to do with the child? But, look. So in this polarized, divided world, the Democrats are getting more and more extreme in a pro-abortion agenda. That makes being reasonable and full of love and defending life a much more attractive position. I think we need to keep winning hearts and keep winning minds. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra Cruz, for coming. Um, my name is Tony. I I go to the University of Maryland in College Park, and I am thinking about getting kids while I'm a little bit older, you know, a little bit more settled down. And one of the things which I think about is what to teach my kids. But another aspect, and I wanted to ask this to you, did you or Heidi learn things from your kids? Did your values get enhanced from having children? That's a great question. Look, absolutely. Um, having kids is an awesome, wonderful experience. Um, our girls are totally different. Um, they are Catherine is sweet she's loving she's just like her mom Caroline God love her <laughs> is just like her dad uh, which means she is spirited she can say all sorts of things I'll give an example of uh, 
All right, 2018, I'm running for election against uh, Beto O'Rourke. Who? We got him, Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> so, we're doing one of the debates, the first debate, and, and it ended with um, each of you say something nice about each other. And uh, O'Rourke says, you know, I, Ted seems to be a really good father and husband, and that's a good thing. So I, that was nice. I appreciated that. I came back, and I said, look, I'll say the same thing. It's really hard in a family, and you seem really dedicated to your kids, and I know how hard that is. And then I went on to say, you know, look, I'm going to credit you for being honest. Uh, like Bernie Sanders, you, you, know, you openly embrace your views, which are left-wing views, which are socialist. And O'Rourke comes back with his best line of the whole campaign. He simply says under his breath, true to form. And it was pretty devastating. I mean, it was, look, that was not complicated what he was saying. Um, it's a two-syllable word, the second, one, second half of which was whole. Um, and it was pretty effective. So I step off the stage afterwards, and I go see Caroline, and Caroline says, Dad, you're really not good at saying something nice about someone. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, okay, all right, you got a point on that, sweetheart. You're, you're beautiful and I love you, but do you, you, got a, you got a point on that. Look, kids teach you every single day. Nothing will challenge you more. Nothing will frustrate you more. Um, and it's, it's, so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Thank you. All right, you all guys right, are back awesome. With you, that's it. Senator Cruz, you did a great job answering those questions, and I thought you'd like to hear his speech and that give and take with those students. Did you? I hope you heard that segment right at the beginning of the second segment where the students talking about their debate team and how if you're going to say a word during your debate that can be considered a trigger word, you got to warn them how they can throw you out of the debate if you say something that they term politically incorrect. Um, We might go back and listen to that little piece here in just a moment because it's so telling about how our college campuses are today. Let's take a quick break, get it taken care of. We'll come back, talk a little bit more as we finish up this 3 o'clock hour on a Friday on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, in that segment with Senator Cruz, in the second segment, uh, Russ, I'd like to play it just from the beginning because he's talking, first he's talking about, he's going to say, he's going to start off by saying Hitler. Uh, know that he's talking about he ran, when he was in college, he went into a friend's, uh, not a friend, but a guy's room, and he had a, uh, a poster of Che up, and he said, hey, that's pretty cool. You can put a picture of Hitler up next to it. Anyway, we'll listen to a little bit of that. And then he talks to a student who's a debater in college. And I want you to listen to how political correctness has just changed that for the worse. Here we go. I tweeted those comments out. I said, well, well, that may be a bit much. All right, go ahead. Hi, Senator Cruz. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Rory Men, and I'm from Binghamton University. Like you... I compete in parliamentary debate. However, at tournaments, well-intentioned but misguided policies about political correctness have been quashing our freedom of speech and our free expression of ideas. 
It is incredibly frustrating, but it seems to be a microcosm of what's going on in our national dialogue. Do you have any prescription of how we can improve our level of discourse at the local and national level to restore the meaningful and important conversations that have been defining to make our democracy as great as it is? So, so elaborate a little bit on how, how political correctness is, is impacting college debate. I'd love to. So at the beginning of every round, we're asked to write our gender pronouns on the board. <laughs> <laughs> It, get, it gets a little bit worse. Um, if our cases are a little bit edgy, we have to trigger warn before the each round. If we say something... <laughs> if we say something a little bit too offensive, we can get equity called and then kicked out of the tournament and shunned by the league. And then also, they have gender minority tournaments where men are just banned from competing entirely. All right, I'm going to leave it right there. That, that's a college student talking about a debate uh, group, you know, where you go in and you have teams. Unbel- you got to write up your gender pronoun on a blackboard before you start so that the moderators, I guess, can call you they or on or whatever the hell you want to be known as? I think I would just put, call me Zygote. Now, I mean, just think about what this guy's saying. They say, I am Ogre. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just... This is what your kids are being subjected to in college. And I bet if you got kids in college, you don't under you don't even understand what's being done to twist their minds. Because that's what's happening. They're really twisting their minds in high school and colleges now because they do this stuff. I bet this goes on in high school as well. They call they they yell out. What, what what you said? Uh, they got to they got to give them trigger warnings, and then they say if they're not they don't speak equal or whatever not not equal. I I I didn't get that exactly. Equality. Yeah, equality. They can throw them out of the tournament, and then they're shunned by the whole debate league. Then last but not least, they have minority debates where white men can't even be in the debates. You know what the weirdest part about all this is, Dave? When I was coming up, and I I never got into debate myself, but I do remember what they went through in doing debate. The whole, the hardest part about it for me would have always been taking the side that, and that because you didn't agree somebody's got to take you take opposite sides yes. of the debate in in the issue. The hardest part about about it for me would have been taking the side that. I don't believe in in the first place. Yeah. But that's the whole point of debate is learning how to take those moments, those things, and 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 debate them. And Not you're anymore. going to upset people. You're going yeah. to trigger people. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, but that's the whole purpose of debate is to anger people from one side or the other. It's to hear both sides. That's the key. 
to hear both sides, whether you like it or not. That's the the bottom line. The left doesn't want to hear both sides. They want to hear only their side. All right, we got to get a break in. Robert Steinbach's coming up. I got to hold on to that because I got I got to have Robert hear that. He'll go. I'll be able to walk out of the studio when he starts after that because <laughs> he'll take off on it. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back in just a moment right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, into the 4 o'clock hour as we get into drive time. Many of you are now heading home, getting your weekend going on a, you know, early, and that's a good thing. I'm going to get out of here at, uh, at 6, head home, and uh, Linda and I are going to go to dinner out in Cabot at Tokyo House, do a little, you know, cooking on the big grill, so to speak, kind of a Benihana kind of place, and uh, go out there and and uh, eat together and have a nice uh, dinner this evening. I, w- I told you that Robert Steinbach's coming. He is. He'll be here in just a few minutes, maybe another five minutes. So I have this um, piece that was written by Andrew Clavin that I want to uh, read to you. Uh, Andrew does podcast on the Daily Wire. And so I got the script of this because the video wasn't all that good. The video just didn't sound real well. So just put up with me reading a little bit of this. It's it's really uh, excellent. Man, it's good to be a Democrat. You go to a debate, and who shows up to ask you the tough questions? Why? Other Democrats, namely the media. Now, Don Lemon isn't a journalist. He's not even a commentator. He's just a race-baiting talking point in a suit. But, you know, Jake Tapper and Dana uh, Bash, biased as they are, do sometimes work in something that used to look vaguely like the profession of journalism. And to their credit, they did bring up what the Democratic candidates called conservative talking points. In fact, they called them Republican talking points. And what the rest of us, uh, in all honesty, call uh, reality. How are you going to pay for all that health care, Bernie? What do you think the border will look like once you decriminalize criminal immigration? And hey, Elizabeth Warren, if you swear not to use nukes first, won't you have to use nukes second after some of us have been departmentalized by our enemies? Now, these mild injections of real life so shocked the rest of the Democratic press that they took the moderators to task about it. But conservative evildoer that I am, I felt there was a much bigger talking point left unspoken. All night long, I felt there was one word missing from the debate, and that word is liberty. Adorable Looney Tune Marianne Williamson sent out a tweet yesterday just before the debate that said this, quote, in 1776, our founders brought forth on this planet an extraordinary new possibility. It was the idea that people, no matter who they were, would simply have the possibility of thriving, unquote. Only not. Uh, Marianne sounds kind of like Abraham Lincoln, only without the profundity and truth. What Lincoln really said was, Our forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that all men are created equal with liberty and justice equally for all. And that's what the country is supposed to be about. 
That's everything it's supposed to be about. Everything in the Constitution is designed to protect our liberty. The uh, separation of powers, the enumerated powers, the federal government is not supposed to go beyond liberty and speech, liberty and religion, and the right to bear arms. That we need to protect the liberty for when the government inevitably gets hungry for more and more power. That's the whole problem with the left and with leftism. Every free thing they offer costs you not only money, it costs you liberty. If the government can take your money and give it to someone else, they own and control your time and labor. If they can regulate every aspect of your life, they can pass laws without your consent. If the government runs health care, they get to decide how you treat yourself and ultimately who lives and who dies. If they can outlaw certain kinds of speech as hate speech or as a campaign finance violation, they decide who you are and what you think. Every insult they throw at us is meant to distract us from this very one important point. Racism, Islamophobia, climate denial, every single slur they hit us with is meant to take our minds off our real concern because it's not racist to oppose uh, government uh, entitlements. It's a defense of liberty. It's not phobic to question restrictive tenets of a religion. It's a defense of liberty. And it's not some kind of thought crime to question whether more government power is going to do one damn thing to help whatever troubles the climate might have. We're fighting for our liberty. Too often, we on the right get all wonky and practical about our ideas when we point out the democratic programs don't work. Well, they don't. But even if they did, they take our liberty. We point out that capitalism beats socialism. It does. But more important, capitalism supports and incentivizes liberty. We point out that identity politics is bigotry in disguise. It is, and it's not much of a disguise, if you ask me. But more importantly, when you reduce a person to skin color or his gender or sexuality, you take away his individual spirit the spirit for which liberty was made. So good for the Democrats. They've created a media bubble in which they can hide from the L word. That means it's up to us to keep that word alive. To keep saying it loud and proud no matter what they call us, no matter what they offer us, and no matter which of their gormless nuttiness tries to come president and take our liberties away i just thought that was well written hope that i spoke it in the way that he would appreciate it but it's true you know this is all about liberty this next election because if we allow the leftists to get in office and to bring more and more socialist programs to this country and, and, and let's be honest, if you're giving groups or the government the power for socialist programs, 
you are giving the government more and more power over you. Let me go back and just read that one small part of this article that is that we've talked about many times here on our our uh, our show because uh, this is important. You know, it's not phobic to question all of this. The whole problem with the left and with leftism, leftism is every free thing they offer you costs you not only money, always will. Let me tell you what. They tell you they're going to give you free health care. You won't believe how, how expensive health care is until it's free. It costs you liberty. It takes away a lot of your freedom of choice. It takes away your your control over your own body for sure. If the government can take your money and give it to someone else, they own and control your time and labor. That's what I've always told you. I don't. I just don't say if they take your money. I always say if they take your, they have control of your wallet. That's what I've always said. Bottom line. And, and and that means, you know, you look at this and you go, yeah, they, they do control my time and labor there because they're taking X amount of dollars away from me in, in all kinds of taxes. Look, you got your regular income taxes that you see every week or every other week or every month, depending on how you're paid. Uh, they take uh, tax off the things that you buy. The things that you buy have already been taxed, and the producer of that product has already figured in that tax into the cost of his product. So every product you buy is causing you all kinds of money as well. Those are hidden taxes. So it's taking your time and labor. If they regulate every aspect of your life, they can pass laws without your consent. If the government runs health care, think about this. They get to decide how you get to treat yourself and ultimately who lives and who dies. If they can outlaw certain kinds of speech as hate speech or as a campaign finance violation, they decide who you are and what you think. Every insult they throw at you is meant to distract you from this one important point. They are stealing your liberty. They are taking your liberty away. Robert Steinbach has come in. I just thought that this Clavin uh, little article he wrote was, was so good because it, it did a, a nice job of of presenting this to you if you put a warren into the white house or you put a uh, a biden or you put a harris or god forbid a williamson into the white house what you are doing is stripping yourselves of your rights you know the young people anymore they don't even know about some of the rights you and i had when we we were growing up I mean, used to be if you didn't want to wear a helmet while you're riding a bike, you could. Can't do that anymore. Used to be drive a car. You didn't have to put a seatbelt on. 
unless you want it to. Okay, I have no problem with that. Used to be that the owner of a uh, restaurant could decide what their uh, patrons wanted. If they wanted to come in and sit down and smoke a cigarette while they uh, were having or just after having a meal, they could. If you didn't like that people smoked, you just didn't go to that establishment. You let the market control things. And I'm all about that. That's that's freedom. And Clavin is exactly right about one other thing here. And let me make sure you understand that if you vote for socialism, you are literally voting for your slavery. That's what you're voting for. You're voting to become a slave to the state. If you vote for capitalism, you're voting for liberty. I didn't say corporatism. I said capitalism. The ability to make your own mind up about, well, what is your, what is your labor worth? You know, we don't really need a minimum wage here in the, in the United States. People are smart enough and, and bright enough that they can work with somebody and tell them whether they want to work for $2 an hour or $20 an hour. You might have to change your mind as you go along, and maybe you don't get 20 maybe you get 15 Maybe you get 11, maybe you get seven, because that's what the producer, the person that's hiring you, can afford to give you. But if what they're willing to pay doesn't meet meet what you think you're worth, you can go somewhere else and go work. Under socialism, that's not the way it works. The whole idea of um, liberty goes out the window. For equality. You know, that that word of equality uh, strips you of your rights right there. Because I'm going to just tell you, what's equal to some people is not equal to other people. But But somebody makes the rules. But Dave, don't you understand that everybody has a right to a living wage? Everybody has a, quote, right to health care. We've been hearing that over the last week. And all of these so-called rights are what are known in philosophy as positive rights, Mm -hmm. meaning it's a demand that somebody else provides you with something. Now, we need to distinguish, and I don't want to get all academic and intellectual on you, but we need to distinguish between what we mean by rights and what we think is good policy. Hey, why don't we collect taxes and we use that to buy a good military? We do that. We use that to buy health insurance or some sort of medical care for Americans. We do that, by the way, through Medicare, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. uh, and and other programs. For certain portions of our population. That's exactly right. So we can choose to tax people and spend it on things as a society that we like. There's a difference between that. That's called policy preferences. Those change over time. Uh, sort of like uh, positions that Joe Biden has. They always change over time. <laughs> In any event, come on, man. Sorry. Uh, that was my Joe Biden, by the way. Yes. Uh, it's so, pretty good. Uh, thank you. Uh, so the, but a right means 
that you, Dave Ellswick, and everyone else is entitled to this thing, this payment, this service, this item. Well, if you're entitled, that means someone else is obligated. That means... That means that the entitlement costs money and somebody has to pay for it. Exactly. And so... Sometimes people will say, well, you know, we're just using different words to mean the same thing. Okay, there is always a level of indeterminacy in language. However, the courts generally don't view it that way. And if you say there's a right, there's a right to health care, someone else is paying for it, whether or not it's feasible, whether or not we have other priorities as a nation, nope. And that's how you go down the road to communism, to socialism, to fascism. Wait a second, that's right and left. Yeah, but it's all totalitarianism. That's right, they all end up the same place. That's right. So you can put whatever label you want on then that big piling, uh, big pile of steaming Shinola, it's still Shinola. Yep, you're correct. Hold your thought, we gotta get a break in. That voice you hear, Robert Steinbach, is here in the studio with me now. On the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, what time we got here? Okay, coming back after the break, because we can talk a little bit more about what you're saying here. I I, I played this earlier uh, and then played it again at the beginning of this half hour. When we come back, I'll play it one last time. And, and, and it's a uh, – Senator Ted Cruz was giving a speech at the Young Americans to the – the college kids that are conservatives, and he was one of the speakers they had. And I played his speech, and then I played the question and answer period that he had. And and one of uh, uh, the people that came up to question him uh, took part in college debate. He okay. was on a team. Right. And then he's talked. Uh, Ted asked him, because this kid was asking about political correctness and stuff, and we're going to be able to get back to having honest but forceful dialogue and stuff. You'll hear your question in a moment. Right. Uh, and and Ted Cruz says, well, what's going on? That's the part I want to play for you. Okay, very good. Because it's going to blow your mind. Well, maybe not. You've been, you're in academia. I mean, you you take on this stuff all the time. There's a buddy of mine who uses a, turns a phrase as follows. He goes, can you believe it? Or I would say to him, can you believe it? And he says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've been living in is, this world. Huh? That's the way it is. All right, so we're going to give you the uh, minute for uh, the news and then pay some bills, and then we will come back, and you can hear uh, Robert's eyes pop out of his head in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is now. All right, Robert Steinbach in the studio. Coming up in the fa- final hour today, uh, we'll be hearing from David Lucas. He's going to give you every answer every question you have about Social Security. Very, very good guy. Let me just tell you what I, I've, uh, I've used him extensively, talked to him extensively before I started my own Social Security. Before we go any further, though, I want to play this segment again with Ted Cruz. I want you to hear this. This is a kid that you're going to hear. Ted Cruz had given a speech. Now he's doing questions and, and answers. He'll uh, When we pick it up, he's finishing off an answer and getting ready to take this kid's question. Here we go. I tweeted those comments out. I said, well, well that may be a bit much. I... <laughs> All right, go ahead. 
Hi, Senator Cruz. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Rory Men, and I'm from Binghamton University. Like you, I compete in parliamentary debate. However, at tournaments, well-intentioned but misguided policies about political correctness have been quashing our freedom of speech and our free expression of ideas. It is incredibly frustrating, but it seems to be a microcosm of what's going on in our national dialogue. Do you have any prescription of how we can improve our level of discourse at the local and national level to restore the meaningful and important conversations that have been defining to make our democracy as great as it is? So, so, so elaborate a little bit on how, how political correctness is, is impacting college debate. I'd love to. So at the beginning of every round, we're asked to write our gender pronouns on the board. <laughs> <laughs> It, get, it gets a little bit worse. Um, if our cases are a little bit edgy, we have to trigger warn before the each round. If we say something... <laughs> if we say something a little bit too offensive, we can get equity called and then kicked out of the tournament and shunned by the league. And then also, they have gender minority tournaments where men are just banned from competing entirely. Okay, that's uh, that's all you got to hear. Let me go through those for you. Gender pronoun. You got to write your gender pronoun up on on the board. All right. You got a trigger warning. I want to write on the board. <laughs> you thought you could get through your list, Dave? Come on, <laughs> come on. Or as Joe Biden would say, "Come on, man. Yeah. Come on, woman. Come on, gender pronoun. Fill in the blank." I want to put up on the board my gender pronoun. That's a 14-syllable word, all consonants, <laughs> no vowels, just so the, when the other side addresses me, I can eat up part of their time in the debate. What do you think of that? Can I do that? That's good. And, yeah. and tell them, could you please pronounce my name yeah, correctly? Yeah, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a series of clicks and grunts, and I'd like you to get it correct, and I will repeat it now. And then when I do so and they don't, no, no, no the grunt good. comes before the click and then two <laughs> clicks and a grunt. And then certain oh, lights good. have to be turned on and off in a particular <laughs> series. Then you have to, if it's going to be a little edgy, you got a trigger warn. Right, right, right. Here's my, here's my trigger warning that I don't actually use in law school, but I would like to use in law school. Hey, folks, you're in law school. You've been warned. How's that? We should do that at the beginning of your show, Dave. This is the Dave Ellswick show. You've been warned. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. And then I, I did equity warned. They get equity warned or something like that. E yeah. yeah. I, I, I lost I've, I, I lost missed it. him on yeah. exactly what he was saying. But if you offend somebody, you mm. can be tossed from the tournament oh, yeah. and then you're shunned. That's right. That's by right. By the whole debate club. Oh, that's right. It's a, so, a social shunning. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, incredible. And then they have gender minority uh, contests. Yeah, you know, there's a word for that, by Men the way. Men don't get to yeah, It's called discrimination. <laughs> it's called discrimination is what it is. Well, yeah. I agree with that as well. The left don't see it that way, no. but you are exactly no. right. Does, does that in any way, now, I, I, we talked a little bit about this, and and of course, Robert said that the joke is, Hey, you're not going to believe this. And they go, sure. you're wrong. Right, sure. <laughs> can you believe this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can yes. believe it. Um, does that surprise you, though? I mean, that's pretty crazy, to be honest. It doesn't surprise me. It saddens me. Okay. Right? It's just more of the same nonsense. I mean, you could hear Cruz in the background going, what? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Exactly. Yeah, it's really remarkable. It's well, here, real. let me give you another idea about this. Okay, this is a story from CNN. Here you go. And I, and I do want to still get into talking about Obama, by yeah, the way, because yeah, yeah. that's something we want to take up. Yeah, on. yeah. You see them in films like Will Smith's iRobot, Eve from Wall-E. Real-life examples include Honda's Asimov, Utex, Walker, Boston Dynamics, Atlas, and even NASA's Valkyrie robot, all made of shiny white material. Mm -hmm. And some real-life humanoid robots are modeled after white celebrities, such as Audrey Hepburn and Scarlett Johansson. The reasons for these shades of technological white may be racism, says New Re. I'm not making it up. New research. Robots and Racism, a study conducted by the Human Interface Technology Laboratory in New Zealand and published by the country's University of Canterbury, suggests people perceive physically human-like robots to have a race and therefore apply racial stereotypes to white and black Robots. I remember when robots were silver in color. So what does that mean? I don't know. These colors have been found to trigger social clues that determine how humans react to and behave toward other people and also apparently robots. Now, I wonder if they would react to them even crazier if you put a blonde wig on them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and two other appendages that were fairly large. Hands. There yeah. was um, <laughs> there. You recall the movie with oh, what's his name? That comedian who I think he committed suicide. Robin Williams. Oh yeah, Robin Williams. B- Bicentennial yeah, Man. That was a great movie. It was a fantastic movie. A lot of fun. He was gold in color. Mm-hmm. What's that? Greed. There you go. Made you greedy. You watch that movie. You went out. You emptied all the money out of your bank account. There you go. Just saying. Yeah. Just wow. saying. But I see the. At some point, you see, can't you take think all I'm these making claims. this up. Right, There's right. the article right there. Robot racism. Yes, as a study showing humans' biases extend to robots. Now, here's the key robot don't care. Exactly. It doesn't understand, it doesn't care whatsoever. But even if it did, I don't think it exists. I'm just saying. What do you say? Here's what I say. Somebody designed a robot. They made it with a plastic coating, as you saw. And somebody chose white because it's a neutral color. Black is also a neutral color. It's the cheapest color to reproduce. Perhaps. And then when they used white, well, the next guy said, well, we're making a robot. Let's make it look like that guy's a robot. So they used white. So, no, I don't think it's racism. Let's talk a little engineering for just a second, guys. Mm -hmm. What happens in the summertime? It's hot. In a black car. Yeah. Gets hot. What happens to a white car in the summertime? Gets hot. Not as much. Not <laughs> near as hot as a black when you're car. you're in Arkansas, it gets hot. Gets hot, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And robots designed interiorly are working computers and machines, and they inertly are hot. Yeah, so and they want it why to not? reflect as much heat as possible. You're but, right. I agree. But with here's, you. A, here's something interesting, Russ. The computer on Dave's desk, like most computers, are black plastic. Uh, are those racist? 
You know, where, where's the white I didn't computer? think about that. Where's the white computer? I demand a white keyboard. That's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> it's reverse racism. By the yeah. way, there's no such thing. It's all racism. But see, here the thing is, yeah. um, isn't black the combination of all colors? It's the absence. White is the combination of oh, all colors. Yeah. Okay, I thought white yeah. was the absence of color. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the um, National Journal wrote an article that I want to talk to Robert about. All right, well, let's find out. First of all, we've got a caller. All right. Billy, Billy is in Cabot. Hi, Billy. How are you? Hey, Dave. It's Billy. Um, so I, I, it sounds like you're leaving the white robots uh, issue there. But <laughs> I, as, as someone who is in that industry, um, let me just say that robots are white primarily because clean rooms where a bunch of that stuff is designed is white. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to detect dust or burnt parts or et cetera, et cetera, when those things are white to begin with. It's easier to detect what is going to become a malfunction. It has nothing to do with whether or not that robot is racist. However, if you're a academic or academic well, and you're writing an article that wants that. to prove that there's racism with robots and you have a predetermined you know, end that you want to get to, that's well, how you and, write it. And Billy, you now, now forgive me because I'm presuming that I can use the pronoun of a male for you, but I'm, I haven't asked you in advance which desi- of the 42 designations like you would uh, that you would like to choose. And I'm guessing, just based on the percentages in the population, that you're more likely white than otherwise. So obviously, we can't even listen to what you have to say because you're coming from right. white privilege. Yeah, Billy. you're biased. There you go. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white male over the age of 25, so I'm not a snowflake, and I believe in the you. genders. So uh, you're well, right. I, 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 who is I this? What? No is this still on? Is this, I, can't, I can't hear Billy anymore. It's not working. All His right. words are in the ether. Thanks, Dave. All right. We'll talk Take to you care, later, Billy. Billy. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate your call. All right. Let me throw this out to you. Mm-hmm. The fact that Biden was the only candidate to embrace Obama, mm-hmm. former President Obama's record. Right. In Wednesday's debate, Democrats rebuking Obama's legacy legacy at their own period. And what it says to me is that Obama, to these people, was a moderate Mm -hmm. and brings some questions to mind that I'll ask you when we come back. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Absolutely. We got another segment left with Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Dwayne Smith, uh, the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, it's an all-state agency, they want to talk to you. They want to try to show you they can save you money on your insurance and they can get you better coverage on your insurance. All they ask is that you do this. Call them, 501-819-0373, 501-819-0373. Come over and visit them, and when you come over, Bring all your insurances. Bring your home insurance, your car insurance, your life insurance, motorcycle, boat, whatever you got insured. Bring it with you so they can look at it and then they can compare Allstate with your insurance and show you they can save you money or even better yet, save you money and get you better coverage. Set up a time to go visit them at their location, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. The number to call again. 
Do it today, 501-819-0373, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Of course, Robert Steinbach is here. All right, so the Democrats rebuke Obama's legacy. Right? I mean, they attacked oh, his legacy. That's right. Which brought me up to a question. Okay, so what does that tell us about the left? Did the left think that Obama wasn't left enough? Do you think that that was the case? I think that the left today thinks Obama isn't enough. I don't know if they thought about it then. Remember, both Hillary and Obama were against gay marriage when they ran for president. Yeah, And then Joe Biden, oddly enough, was the one who came out first, no pun intended. And then Obama joined in. Hillary joined in, and then if you or any of your audience disagreed thereafter, well, you're a racist. You see, two minutes ago— No, you were a homophobe. Right, but I put it all under the category of racism. But if you disagreed with the president, you were a racist. Right, that's right, because he said it. That's right. Two seconds before he agreed with you, everything was okay. Two seconds later, when the great oracle in the sky changed his mind, if you didn't follow suit— well, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, etc. What is that, Dave? That's exactly what the communists did. I mean that sincerely. I'm not saying it's communism. I'm saying it's totalitarianism, which is there's the great leader and uh, whatever 1984 he, speak. That's right. And whatever he proclaims, if you don't get on board immediately, then you're shunned. Now, the modern day shunning happens to be. Calling you a racist. What did they call? They, they yeah, called that in Russia something. Right. And I forget it. what it. That's I mean, right. Tolstoy got into it in the whole nine yards. That's right. Home, that's right. I don't remember. But that's exactly right. There so was a word for that. Kind you of were shunning. shunned. And today's shunning in America is to call you a racist, a homophobe, an ist, an ism, that kind of thing. That's like shadowing you too, right? Is What's that? that? To, to shadow you? Like on your Twitter account and things? Oh, that, I don't even I'm know. I'm going to cast some shade. I'm not going oh, shade. Cast shade. some shade. Yeah, cast yeah. some shade because I'm not going to even Dave, talk about... Dave, you're too hip about, with the terms. I'm not going to talk about you anymore, so I'm going to I'm gonna toss some right. shade on Toss you. some shade. Okay. There you go. All right. As I said, shadow. Yeah, well... It's, it's shade. You still know more about that stuff than I do, I assure you. <laughs> anyway, and then I bring up this question because yes, I... You'll remember I brought this up several months ago. I predicted that Michelle Obama would go back to Illinois. I thought she would. Right. Run for Senate. Right. Win and then run for president. Right. She's done neither. Right. Is it because of this right here? Is it because her positions now would not align with a large percentage of the Democrat Party? I don't know. It's a very good question because... She was more transparent in her quest for power. Obama hit it well. And this is one of the things that they said about Hillary versus Bill. Now, mind you, they also say, well, the claim that notice what you did there, that you took the women and you said they look like they're power hungry because you don't want to give power to to women, (laughs) but you're more than willing to give it to men. Can't win, can you? No, you know, and of course, an alternative explanation is, their husbands were better politicians. Of course, in some respects, that's... And that a, has now been proven out with Hillary. Right. And in some respects, it's an obvious point because their husbands did it all first. And if they were the better ones, you think they would have been running. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, sorry, no, I don't. I don't buy that. You know, by the way, that's another ism phobe kind of yeah. claim. And what we're doing Gen- is, is that what is that? Is that genderism? Uh, misogyny, sexism, I misogyny. Yeah, sexism, it misogyny. Sexism. Right? Uh, no, it's shinola is what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Shinolaism. Exactly. We'll make up our own term. For that's this right. Stuff. That's right. Listen, they're cutting words out of our vocabulary every time we turn around. So we'll add some. We're going to add some back in. <laughs> it's too truth. much. It's the truth. It is. It's the truth. That's it right. really is. And it's amazing. And it's probably why maybe a lot of schools don't read 1984 anymore. We read because it Because we're school. there. Yeah. And we read, what was Aldous Huxley's book? Yeah, Brave New World. Brave New World. We read that. It was really kind of a... You know, Animal Farm. Animal Farm. We read all of those books. Strange those were assigned. Strange Land. We didn't read that. Yeah, but these were all assigned readings. Yeah. Well, in 1984, we spent a whole semester on Oh, that that's book, right. That's right. You know, working. Because it... And back then, the teachers were warning us that it was happening. And I wonder, those teachers that I had in those days... What they're thinking what now. What they would think now, right? I warned them. Right, right. Or... <laughs> and it's gotten have, worse. Uh, do they see that what the left is doing now as being that? Because their concerns were about totalitarianism, and I suspect they didn't see the left doing it. They saw the right doing it. I wonder how they would view the Because totalitarianism can come from either direction. Exactly. Because it's, it's not a philosophy. It's control. Yeah. It's what a complete control. That's right. right. Not a little bit of control. Complete control. And 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 they will break you to get that complete control. That's right. And of course, as we saw in the debates, the moderates say, why do you want to control all of medical care? Why don't you have a hybrid? Don't you think that's more reasonable? And people like Warren and and Bernie, here's what I'm going to do, Bernie, uh, say, no, we want to control it all. It's not about providing services, care, etc., to Americans. It's about the control. They want the control. Yeah, they really do, and and they're slowly getting it. Yeah. That's and, and it's, well, to it's be amazing. Fair. I mean, listen to all of them talk about health care. Right. It's as if what, Obamacare never even happened. Right. Well, right now it almost is because, thankfully, Trump dialed it back. Well, I agree. But right. even before then, That's these right. people would not have thought it was enough. For sure. Then they did. And by the way, when people say, well, it's just the first step. Stop. And they would say, oh, you're being hysterical. You're claiming it's going to turn it. Guess what? Four years, three, two and a half years later, two and a half years later, and they're talking, they're saying, not enough. It's exactly what the conservatives said was a concern and what the lefties dismissed as sheer nonsense. Go back, watch the videos. Well, go back uh, when they were debating Obamacare and then watch after it's passed what uh, – who was the head of the Senate then? The guy from Nevada. Yeah. Mm, what is his uh, name now? Dingy Russ. Harry. Harry. Yeah, Harry. Reed. Reed. Okay. Reed said when he was being interviewed about single payer, he said that's where we wanted to go. Right. But we didn't have the support of the American people. Right. That's where these people want to go. Oh, it's even more. But it's actually. even yeah. shown. Yeah. But it's been shown that it's not where the American people want to go. Of course not. And that's what the more moderates on the stage said. They said not only 
is it impossible to do what you're saying? The American public doesn't want that. Oh, oh, we'll we'll tell them what they want. That's says right. Bernie and Warren, etc. And Harris and Buttigieg and um, all the Cory Booker, you name it. <laughs> And Gillibrand, and and, uh, huh? What? Squirrel? Now, 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 Williamson, in defense of her, said, let's just go back to our rooms and light a stick of incense. Listen, I think Williamson's the best candidate <laughs> up there. I'm voting for her. If she makes it into the into the general, I'm voting for Williamson. I wish I had somebody who could do, do uh, some photo stuff so that I could take her picture and put, you know, a gypsy top on her. And uh, she might just give her wear long it. hair, right? You know, and and give the peace sign right. that beads, love beads on. How could you not she, vote for that? She, she is right out of the '60s, folks. She really is. Robert, it's always a pleasure. We'll get Same back here. together on Monday. All right, we'll do it. All right, Dave Ellswick show. David Lucas is next. Everything you need to know about Social Security. Wow, last hour today, man. We have been perking right along. Zach in the first hour. Talking movies, yes, Hobbs and Shaw, great movie to go see, spend your money on it, get a big bucket of popcorn, it's an action flick, you'll love it. Talks about sports as well, and that was interesting, talking to Zach about sports. And then in the second hour, I covered uh, the stuff with uh, Ted Cruz, giving a speech to a bunch of college students. It was really interesting uh, listening to the kids asking him questions, and that one kid that was on a debate club talking about how they have to put a gender pronoun up on a board yeah, yeah, before yeah, he said yeah, yeah. trigger give have to say a trigger warning we might talk about this and then uh, gender minority debates where mm-hmm. white males are not allowed are you serious i'm yeah. serious as a heart attack you know that part of that mon- title crazy. nine stuff yeah i have no idea title nine was yeah, supposed yeah, to make sure that girls got to play sports that's what it was about. yeah but i think it, i was uh, reading it uh, it's morphed into a lot more oh than my that. god yes yeah. now all of a sudden now it's little johnny or who's now little Susie, who's anatomically still johnny a male yeah. should have the right to change and play on the girls team. yeah and and go in the because girls he can't room. make the yeah because yeah. he can't make the boys team and, and you can't judge them that he's in in transition yeah well they're not even in the transition it's, yeah it's it's unreal they're just they just identify it's lunacy i identify as a uh well, there is some term. If a, you, if you, I identify as a hunk. That's funny. There is a term, <laughs> though. I can't remember. I was at a, a friend of mine, Jeremy, was telling me that if you 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 identify as the sex that you are, there's a name now they're giving. That. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't remember. Cisgender? It's, yeah, I think that's there it. There you yeah, go. Cisgender. That I guess we're cisgender. straight. That yeah. just means you, you identify and I are with how you were born. Cisgender white right. males. Yeah. We are really. In the dump, dude. Um, We are in the trash. I'm just telling you. That other voice you're hearing, that's David Lucas. You hear about David Lucas all the time on my show because I talk about him every day and about his great uh, work that he does helping people do financial planning. But what he's really, 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 really uh, gotten good at is talking about Social Security. And if you're uh, at the age of retirement, you better – Talk to David because he'll help you save money. Yeah, so if you're you're sixty years old or up, you're really gonna if you're a few years away to when you may be eligible, you really or you know someone that is near sixty uh, in the next few years eligible to claim Social Security. Uh, this is very very important. There's a new study. This was put out by 
Well, it was published in Bloomberg, and I'll read a few snippets here. It says you have, but here's the the bottom line of it all: you have a 96 percent chance. And I know I've told I've you're you're getting the message out there, Dave. 96 percent chance of losing 111 thousand dollars when it comes to claiming your Social Security benefits. This was a new research that was featured in Bloomberg, and it was uh, called uh, United Income. It was data says sponsored by Social Security Administration findings. I'm just going to read. This is this is sobering stuff. Now, remember where you said they got it. It's findings found out by the Social Security Administration yeah. themselves. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, it says explore these questions. We utilize new technology invented by United Income and data sponsored by the Social Security Administration. Finding retirees will collectively lose. You ready for this? $3.4 trillion in potential income that they could spend during their retirement because they claim Social Security at the suboptimal time. On average, the study revealed mm-hmm. the average household loses over $111,000. And then it goes on to say current retirees will collectively lose an estimated $2.1 trillion in wealth because they made the suboptimal decision about when to claim Social Security or on average about $68,000 a household. I could go on and on. There's a little more here. Um, but uh, let's see, about 21% of those at risk of not affording retirement would see an improvement in their chances, yada, yada. It, it, it's, it goes on and on. But the point is, Dave, and listeners of the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1, the answer, is that this is, that means only 4% of the people get it right. Isn't that right? Says. That's yeah. exactly right. So that means that the majority of people listening here, if they're 60, if you're listening or you know somebody that's 60, especially 62, you qualify now potentially. You'll lose money. You you could. Let me give you another. Uh, this is a sobering statistic. Had a lady come through just last week, attended one of our maximizing Social Security classes. Unfortunately, she's, she's a widow. She lost her husband several years ago in 2014. And she said she's getting about $238 a month. And she said, I've been three or four times, David, and I can't, I just can't get anywhere. And I know my husband worked 20 plus years making six figures paying into Social Security, and I can't get anywhere. So I have a, another, the out of the Office of Inspector General, Social Security Administration. You can see it out. Where's, yeah, the, and you where's need, the camera on Facebook? I just want to let everybody know Here you need is. to listen to yeah. this. Especially if you're a widow. Yeah, Office of Inspector General, or if you're a widow, or listen, every one of you listening knows a widow or a widower. Mm-hmm. So that applies to almost 90, probably almost everybody listening. Either you are unfortunately gone through this or you know someone that is. And it was talking about this study, higher benefits for duly entitled widowers or widows, of course, had had they and it goes on to say basically let me uh, i didn't have a highlighter dave so oh you got one over there somewhere yeah, here yeah let me yeah we may there go through go. a little of this i may read more specific after I'm, the I'm, break. I'm only going to charge you for what ink you use okay thank you i'm i'm, I'm learning nice from the democrats <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny but the bottom line is dave eight this goes on it says 82 percent of widows and widowers are not getting and this was findings of an audit Done from the Social Security Administration, the Office of Inspector General. They're saying that 81, 82% of widow and widowers are not getting the benefits that they deserve. Of course um, not. So we actually, we do because this. Because that's, that's money that 
not being spun out that they can give to other people. We do this for clients. We actually file with those that are clients or people that come in and just need social security, help with Social Security. So we ended up, uh, we've got our uh, scheduled, and we're going to get it. make sure, you know, I can't, uh, in her, since I'm almost positive, and I told her, I, once we have this meeting and get on the phone with Social Security Administration, uh, we're, we're going to, you know, I'm almost positive she's missing out on a significant amount every month. So this is a big deal. And those are just a few of the instances. You got this new report from the Office of Inspector General, Social Security Administration, saying that 81% of widow widowers, again, if you're not one, you know somebody that is, are missing out. Okay, so let me ask this question. If they if they find that they hadn't been paying you what you had coming, do they go back and retroactively give you the money? That's a good question, potentially, and that's what I told her. Until we get on the phone, until we get to the bottom, because here's the thing. She said, I said, well, what was your, you have your deceased spouse's social security, what his benefits and his benefit statement. They won't give it to me. They won't give it to her, Dave. They won't even let her see it. Okay, so, so I, that's what she I kind of understand this because, for instance, Linda and I took out a loan to put in the new air conditioning system for our house a, a while back, a while back, and it was in my name. Mm-hmm. All right, and got it all done, and she would make the payment. She'd be on the phone <laughs> making the payment, would make the payment to the bank, and then say, "Could you tell us how much we still owe?" And they said, uh, if Mr. Ellsworth calls, we'll be happy to share that information, but we can't tell you. Yeah, but Mr. Ellswick is still among the living. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. understand it, but I'm yeah. just saying. It wouldn't, but wouldn't you think it would be a little different if you if lost I was, if Linda I was and you were trying to – Right, or if you had passed away and Linda was saying, hey, sure. I'm trying to find out what benefits that I could claim off of Dave. Every right? form I sign now that asks uh, about uh, who do I want to share my information with, I make sure I put my wife's name down. Absolutely. But because if you don't, they won't. Bottom line, they kind of you have rhymes. a 96% chance of missing yeah. out. But, oh, and that, and that was based on this United Income that was, again, sponsored by Social Security Administration findings. Uh, you can look at it, Dave. It's, it's st- the stuff that's highlighted there. It's sobering. So you have a 96% chance of losing out on $111,000 that are rightfully yours. And Dave's looking at that now, the study that was commissioned. Uh, and you could avoid a lot of this. And that's why I wanted to ask Dave if I come on. We've got a couple of upcoming maximizing Social Security classes. I've been telling people yeah. about them. Uh, let's see. You would think I would know the day. It's 13th and the 16th, I do. But it's at uh, 13th and the 16th. We've had over 500 people go through these classes. And uh, I've got Scott and another gal standing by if you want to call because there's just a few seats left. These fill up every month. It seems like people always procrastinate and it's the last second and then they call. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, if you're watching, oh, if you're looking gotcha. at the screen right now, it's on your on the Facebook, Facebook Live uh, And they've got presentation. The, they, you guys are cutting edge, I tell you. Keep it up. It's just like watching Fox News. Yeah, it's cutting edge. Uh, so, anyways, the, the few dates that we've got coming up in August, and what I said, people wait the last second, then they call me and say, we sorry, we sold out. So, it's just human nature, right? Oh, yeah. I need to call. I need well, to yeah, call. you said that there's like 32 seats, and I was doing these, and as as we're going along, I'm going, there's not 32, I'm telling no, they, you right they, now. They, <laughs> they, they, they fill up. We've got a few left. I snagged a, a, a few tickets here. 
Uh, well, that, well, that's for the movie. Well, I want to talk about that, the upcoming movie at UA we'll Breckenridge. We'll do that in a moment. Yeah. So we've got three events going on uh, in the, the month of August. But August 13th at 6 p.m. or August the 16th, it's about a two-hour class. This is not a sales event. We tell you, leave your wallet. This is not a sales event. This isn't one of those fancy steak dinners. In fact, we do ask that, you know, because we spend a lot of time, I've, I've written this curriculum. It's a 40-page up-to-date 2019 workbook. We actually ask that you pay 20 bucks. And because it's good information, two hours, we take about a 10-minute break, and we cover topics like the earnings test. When are you penalized if you if you take early and continue to work? We talk about those benefits for widows and widowers. We talk about uh, spousal benefits. And after the break, yes. oh, I don't know when we're going to a break. Yeah, well, we, we are getting okay. ready to go to the So uh, what I want to talk about, there is a closing window of opportunity that they consider a loophole, the Social Security Administration, that can give you 32% higher benefit and thousands of people. I see, We see hundreds of people come through our office, and this is happening to tens of thousands of people across the country that are going to miss out on this window of opportunity. So we want, I want to talk about that when we come back. 501-653-6690 to get your tickets uh, for the upcoming Maximizing Social Security class. 501-653-6690. You can also register at, uh, David, at davidlucasfinancial.com. If you have a question, 823-0965 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, Back with you. Good, Here on Davos with David and I were discussing politics during the break there. You couldn't hear it, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, it was pretty politics. good. All right, so tell them a little bit more about this maximizing your Social Security because it's important that people understand that if you take it when you're 62, you're going to get a whole lot less than if you wait until you're 70. That's right. So Some people might not be able to wait till you're 70, but know what you're going to get. In either event. So added, just for those people that, of course, people are thinking of this is just coming on their radar right now because they're getting closer and closer to claiming Social Security. You can start as, age, as early as age 62 if, and you can wait as late as age 70. Now, it, for depending on when you were born, depend, it will dictate when your full retirement age. Now, full retirement age or what's called primary insurance amount is when you're eligible to receive what the Social Security Administration deems full or unreduced benefit. So depending on when you were born, some of you at 66 and a half. For me, it's 67. This was done under um, Tip O'Neill and Reagan, when Social Security was having solvency issues, they started raising the full retirement age. They did that. They're talking about it again. Yeah. And they also, unfortunately, back then... Uh, raised and started taxing up to 85% of your Social Security. So think about it. You pay in for 40 years, and the government turns around if you've got 30,000 benefits and takes five or 6,000 right back. So there are ways for some people to eliminate Social Security, but I mean, to eliminate Social Security, eliminate taxes on Social Security, but that's becoming harder and harder because the government. Wants their money, right? The way what they call the way they determine that something called provisional income, they're not inflating that for inflation, for adjusting it for inflation. So more and more people are finding even lower income people are finding their social security tax. But so you can take it as early as say sixty two. If at it, let's say your full retirement age, Dave, do you know yours? Yeah, it's sixty six. Sixty six even. Yeah, right. For every year you wait past full retirement age. For some people listening, it's 66 and a half. It's some people, it's 66 and two months. We cover some people, all, we, 67. Some people, it's 69. We, we cover all this in the, the fully updated curriculum that I've written, uh, the 40-page uh, booklet, workbook. Uh, but it's 7%, excuse me, 8% increase 
all the way up to age 70 for every year you defer. Now, I promised before the break that I would talk about there's a window of opportunity that is closing. There's something called filing a restricted application. And what this essentially allows, if you, let's say one spouse is already collecting. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're retired. But let's say another's a few years younger in, in their full retirement age, but they plan on working to age 70. If they turned 62 prior to December 31st of 2015, this was, uh, I believe, part of the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015. That makes sense. 2015, you got to turn uh, 62. Let's say the working spouse was just still working. They didn't need the Social Security. Uh, I'm thinking of a particular person who became a client. This is the exact scenario. Husband retired, collecting Social Security. She's full retirement age, nurse practitioner, says, I'm going to work to 70. I'm not going to take. Well, what I showed her is, wait a minute now. You can do what's called a filing restricted application. You can collect $1,153 a month for the next four years off your husband and then turn on your full 32% higher benefit. Think about that, Dave. She could have her cake and eat it too. She collects spousal benefits for four years and then at 70 collect 32% higher. Well, this is what everyone needs to understand. If you turned 62 prior to December 31st, 2015, and your spouse is collecting, or you know somebody this applies to, you're going to want to call our office because we can actually, because here's the deal. This happens all the time. People go in and they don't get this information. Mm -hmm. So this is critical. Because There's Social a, Security it, the, Administration not required to no, sig- no they're not they're forbidden to technically to offer you any personalized advice so you're totally on your own unless you seek out some competent help and so uh, nothing against anybody that works for the Social Security Administration but it's a government agency what can I say <laughs> so let me but okay go ahead well Did you finish the, up yeah the what I'm saying Dave here this is what people need to understand the window of opportunity is closing the end the, if you don't do it by the end of the year it's gone. We're talking for many of you, it could be sixty, seventy thousand dollars you're leaving on the table. So we'll talk about that in the upcoming Social Security classes on August the thirteenth and sixteenth at six PM. We've got a limited number of seats. You can call the uh, the number, which is five oh one six five three 6690 I've got a couple people. Scott in our office was kind enough to stay past 5 o'clock on the weekend, and he's standing by. Okay. So he'd be happy to take your information. Is he married? Uh, he is. He's okay. got a two-year-old so daughter. He's so a he's good guy. A, but he's not worried about getting out with his girlfriend. So no, he's, he's married and a two-year-old daughter, <laughs> but he wants to get home to his family. So I yeah, gotcha. I'm glad he stayed. But yeah, so that that, that this is critical. I mean, this is people okay, understand So here's this. a big question on my part. If you make your decision to start taking Social Security, like somebody does this and they, they hear about this, can they go back and change it? Okay, so there was a... Got one minute. Right. 2010, there was a law that changed all this, and basically now you have one year to redo it. Now, with the widow, it can be a little different. But for most people, if you've claimed and you think, have I made a mistake, you've got one year to file what's called SA-521, whatever the government form is. But we can help people do that. And sometimes they realize, and I can give you a couple, uh, a story after we come back, that uh, uh, this actually happened to somebody, and she got the wrong information. And it was to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars she missed out because they said oh you don't need to do anything i said no 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 we need to react like this never happened pay it back and i'll tell you why so that's there's i can give you example after example story after story all right we got news 
minute of news, and we're going to pay some bills, and then we're going to come back with David Lucas. Don't forget, we're going to tell, talk to you about a special movie that's upcoming. Mm-hmm. All right, with us, David mm-hmm. Lucas. DavidLucasFinancial.com is the website. He's got, uh, you know, we'll give you a phone number here in just a moment where you can reach and uh, you can get your tickets uh, to a movie that is yeah. coming up. And that's what we want to spend a lot of time talking about here this half hour. You've done this movie before. We did. And we had such a, a demand that I wanted to do it one more time. It's UA Breckenridge, 12 over off Rodney Parham. Yep. Uh, this is a friend of mine that did this documentary a few years ago. I, he, he was telling me about this idea and I said, hey, if you, I want to bring this to Little Rock if it comes to fruition. And he called me back and, and said, hey, you know, it's it's happening. Got a world class producer, and uh, it's a great it's a great film. It's riveting. Now, I will you'll I always say that your best defense is an informed mind. You've got the governor of Utah. You've got many congressmen. You've got PhDs, just really well respected people that uh, sp- <laughs> spill the beans on why you know you're going to have to pay higher taxes in retirement. People think. Yeah, pay fewer it's, taxes, it's coming. But, it's not a if. It is well, a win. Couple of couple of statistics. The, the you know who the Congressional Budget Office oh, is, yeah. of course. Well, they just came CBO. out in October of last year. They put out a report every year on the fiscal state of the country, and I quote: "They say the federal budget is frightening and unsustainable, and just to pay for Social Security, Medicare, and interest on the debt alone, they need to raise taxes by roughly seven point eight trillion in the next decade, or cut spending by seven point eight trillion. That ain't going to happen. No, I've this, never, I haven't. Have you seen? Never. Have you ever seen a politician cut a program? Not. No, uh, okay. never. Right. We know what Ronald Reagan said. We don't have to say it. Yeah, yeah. About government, government program, programs. thing to eternal yeah. life that you'll ever see on this earth. That's right. And so here's the deal. An- another thing with the I just saw this on the Drudge Report recently in the White House. You know, I mean, it's all out there. They're saying, yeah, a trillion dollar deficit this year. Look, I like Trump in a lot of ways, but one thing, you know, he was railing on the national debt. Now, all of a sudden, it's just, it's a non-issue, right? Well, Well, you see what he came up with this budget that they voted on just yesterday and passed, and Trump was telling uh, the Republicans, go ahead and vote for it. We can Mm. cut later. No, no, That was his exact words, and I thought, yeah, It's the danger of every politician. And and the thing is, it's it's because tough choices have to be made. It's hard for him or any president to say, we've all got to eat our spinach. We're a trillion dollars in in debt just this year. I mean, borrowing additional trillion, adding to the deficit. On top of that, by 2024, interest payments on the debt will be greater than national defense. You know how what's going to be the demise of this country? My fear is it's from within. All this debt, you know, it's it's. Uh, is it, uh, that's what Petraeus said. <clears throat> Petraeus said the greatest enemy facing the United States was the national debt. I 100% agree with him. And it, so you look at these statistics. You look at what the former Comptroller General of the United States has said, which is saying, and I wrote an article last year in the Healthcare Journal, and I titled it The Four-Letter Word That Can Derail Your Retirement and How to Fix It. And I talk about uh, former Comptroller General is basically like the CPA of the United States. And that's where I got that. He said it's a four-letter word. He was on uh, NPR, one of those. He did a barnstorming around the country. He wrote a book, Come Back America, and he was saying, uh, well, he took one look at the books. He's under Bush and Clinton. So he was nonpartisan, supposedly, and said, this is insanity. And uh, 
He says it's, it's, it's a mathematical certainty. You either cut taxes, and you cut spending immediately in half, or you double taxes or some combination thereof. So we either borrow – it's not a matter if we're going to raise taxes. We either borrow it today, right, and put off the inevitable. Or, On our or, or, kids or, and right, grandkids. Or we do the tough work, which is say – Ain't going to happen. This is we, – you know, we're all in trouble. I mean, we, we all have to – everybody's going to have to understand what we face <laughs> And you can count the politicians on one hand that actually stand on principle that actually will stand up for fiscal sanity. In, in you know, in a, a perfect Tom war- Cotton did, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, well, he voted good for him. I've met him a few times on your show. Uh, the the this notion of you know, liberals want you to judge them on their their good intentions, right? Well, you know, I have a compassionate heart. Everybody needs free health care. Sure, in a in a world where we're not fallen with sin, right? We would all love unicorns and yeah, skittles, yeah, right? Or unicorns and daisies, <laughs> or whatever. Eat all the sugar and donuts and pizza and beer you want, yeah. drink it, and, and you're not going to put gain on weight. Yeah. But the point is, is that's not the world we live now, in. Now that's the way that is with Zach, but that's yeah. okay. You go yeah, ahead. Zach, he's, an, uh, he's a good he's guy. an anomaly. They had well. Wait till he hits about thirty-five, <laughs> thirty-five or forty. That might That's be when the it truth. starts. Hitting. But the point is, is that they they're not being honest with the American people. Of course, they're not. They the, this they, is they a, want to get the, reelected. And if you are setting on the, if you are have a large amount of money setting in a any of you listening, five hundred thousand, a million dollars setting in your four hundred one k, four hundred three b, four fifty seven. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're tax postponement plans. You have a partner in that plan. You have a lien well, let's against Let's explain what, yeah. why. Because if you just got a, a regular 401k, right. what you've done is you've allowed usually your business, your <clears throat> the people you work for, to take X amount of dollars out of your account that you agreed to without paying taxing taxes. it. Right. So you're, what you're doing is, think about this, you're postponing the tax and you're postponing the tax calculation. So where are taxes right now? They're lowest than they've ever they've been. Lowered than they've, if you look at the, the lowest marginal rate now, or if you look, it's roughly 12%, 22%, 24%. The top marginal is like 37, I believe, right now. There was a famous politician in the 1940s who talked about this in his biography. Well, he's a famous actor, became a politician. He would do two movies. He'd make $200,000, which is $2.3 million to today's dollars. And he'd do two movies and go to his ranch in California. Of course, we're talking about Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. You have a nice... Yeah, he's uh, got like a stand-up yeah, cutout. Yeah. So the point is, is that they've been much higher. And I think people are fooling themselves, looking at the physical condition of the country, if they think that they shouldn't be doing proactive tax planning. So that's what this movie is about. Uh, it is... A private screening. It's Thursday, August the 8th at Little Rock. You can't buy tickets for this film. It's by invitation only. Now, we do ask if, you know, we do ask. We try to stick with $500,000. Why? Because if somebody saved $100,000, to be quite frank, in a 401k, you don't have a tax problem. But if you've saved 500000 or a million or – now, if somebody calls and they say, I got four hundred fifty, we'll we'll let them attend. <laughs> but – but the point is, Under it's because we can show them how um, you're talking the tune, Dave, it, with proactive tax planning. We own a tax practice as well. We do tax preparation, but we're talking about tax planning. With the proactive tax planning, you can shield yourself from this onslaught of uh, uh, coming higher taxes, but it takes 
taking action. And so this movie is going to just educate you. It's not a sales event. It's a documentary. Yeah, bottom line, if right now you're just stocking, you know, stacking the money away, you're not paying any taxes on it, and it would be, let's say it'd be 20% if you did pay the taxes on it, and uh, you stock it away, and it's this money's growing and growing and growing and growing and growing, and then you're going to start being told at a certain age that you got to take, take some of that money out, and you take it out. Maybe taxes then are 35%. Now you've just gotten hit with the 15% increase. It, it has to happen. It just has to happen. But if you want to get taken, these tickets, we have just a few left. The last I checked, we're about 80. There's only 90 seats. 80 have already reserved. So they'll be sold out by next week, I think. Call now. 501-653-6690. UA Breckenridge, August the 8th at 6.30 p.m. The doors open at 6.10. They close at 6.25. So you want to show up early? It starts at 6.30. Yeah, because you can't get in or out because they chain the doors. Close. Yeah, we do. No, but we, 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 <laughs> but we do. We do. No, that's fine. We do want you to show up early, though, and get a, a seat and get seated in because this is a... It's riveting, and it is eye-opening, and you'll walk away. Well, you, you have to – it's just – some of you probably know this, but it is so well put together, uh, and it'll educate you. As I say, your best defenses inform mine. 501-653-6690, August the 8th at UA Breckenridge, private screening of the, uh, the tax train is coming. Straight question for you. Yes, sir. Do you t- tell people don't do a 401k, do a – 401k Roth? Typically, yes, especially a lot of people we meet, they've already got a half a million, million bucks saved in a pre-tax environment. We're going to immediately, one of the first things we're going to see, of course, is we're going to ask them, do you have a Roth option? You've got plenty enough to deal with now waiting to be taxed. Mm -hmm. And then so there's some ways through uh, proactive tax planning that you can move a lot of that to tax-free territory. While taxes are still on sale, we're, we're, we're not saying you can't pay, you you yeah. can get around paying taxes. What we're saying is is pay when we the look less at, you can. That's right. You if you do it <laughs> in a plan, a comprehensive, proactive tax plan, and unfortunately in our industry, it's not talked about in income planning and financial planning. Oftentimes, taxes are just ignored, and I liken that to you're focusing on a rate of return. You're trying to fill up a bucket that has holes. And you're losing. You're in it, uh, if you plug those holes, it'll fill if it's just a trickle. Meaning you're losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. And if you could avoid paying thousands of dollars in taxes, your I, bucket would you, fill quicker. That's right. And you, and you've worked so hard for this money. So it, it's it's going to be an eye opening film for those that attend. All right. What's the number again, David? 501-653-6690. All right. I haven't been asking for calls because David has had a lot of information for you today. But 823-0965, we can get one or two calls in before the top of the hour if you'd like to talk to him. That's 823-0965. It's Dave Ellswick Show final break. And then we're back for the last second segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget Monday, Elizabeth Siltaro is going to be on with me. She's making her return. You don't want to miss that. And Robert Steinbach. All right, back. We got Paul in Boxite. Got a question for you, Paul. Yes, sir. Which which question? I signed up for the seminar and the movie. And the main reason I'm coming to the movie is this filing restrict. I don't understand it. 
Well, completely. Is there the, a certain the, age you have to be to do that? Now, Paul, is this Mr. Sh- – I think I know who this is. Is Mr. Shoemaker? You don't have to say. <laughs> I, I, I know you, you've been a long-time listener of Dave Ellswick. So, I, sure, I sure have. Yeah, Thank and I think y'all. I met you years ago when I was originating mortgages. That would have been a long time ago. Mm-hmm. He yep. did. Yeah. You're out by Dave's Burgers. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. And I had, that's Thank where you. I had my office at David Lucas Financial. We moved over there for a while and now we're in North Laura. So, just to be clear, the movie has nothing to do with uh, Social Security. Okay. That's just yes, a. Sir, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, as far as the filing restricted application, yes. So, if you are you are you and your uh, spouse both already collecting? No, my wife is. Okay, so your wife is. Did you turn sixty two prior to December thirty first of two thousand fifteen? No, I don't. I don't think I'm. I'll be sixty five okay. in October, so I think right. I'm like six months too late you, you may be but you still you can I, I think you'll still benefit if you haven't there's some other things that will many things will cover in the upcoming maximizing social security class paul it's certainly going to be well worth your time and money yes, to go I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it because i think i know everything but i want to be sure i do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well it's a it's as we just talked about earlier there's this new study that came out saying that 96 percent of people don't claim at the optimal time so i think it'll be well worth your time looking forward to seeing you at the um, upcoming maximizing social security event which one are you coming to 13th or 16th the 13th all right i'll be looking forward to meeting you there at our office there at the retirement advantage university yes sir i'll be there all right all right deal. paul thanks, thanks for, for calling in thanks for the call we appreciate it Eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. i should tell them that i i just accept it his wife into my Instagram page. Oh, today? So, yeah. yeah uh, she, she just uh, joined me Paul, today. Paul, and I can't remember his wife's name, but I know it's been a few years. That's good to hear from him. I mean, he's been listening to you a long time, Dave. Yes, he has. He uh, shows up every yeah. year uh, when I'm doing uh, Toy Troopers good over guy. in Benton and yeah. makes a very nice donation towards kids' toys for Christmas. That's great. That's great. Great man. So, yeah, if you can certainly call in if you have a question about Social Security or taxes. But this upcoming movie event, it is a, it is an eye-opener. It is an eye-opener. You were talking about Dave required minimum distribution. Some people listening yes. may not know. What I like to say is required minimum distributions is the government's way of saying we're sick and tired of you not dropping dead. We want our fair share. Yeah. So if you start saving in a retirement account, a, a tax postponement plan – you have you have to wait all the way till you're 59 and a half, and then what happens? You're no longer penalized for accessing your money, they which get, is kind of nice yeah. that they let you have uh, your nice? money yeah, without you can't taking some of it. Prior to 59 and a half, if you try to access it, there's a 10 percent penalty on top mm. of the ordinary tax, yes. whatever the tax is they say that you owe. Then you have this about 10 year period where you can take as little as much as you want without a penalty. But then it, once you hit seven and a half. If you don't get it right, seventy and a half. Seventy and a half. What happens is now there's some they're talking about raising that age, but right now it's seventy and a half. What happens is they'll hit you with a fifty percent penalty of what you should have taken out but didn't if you fail to take out the required minimum distribution. That's on top of the this ordinary is so tax. So outrageous. So if you were supposed to pull out thirty five thousand dollars and you didn't, guess what? That's about seventeen eighteen thousand dollar penalty you pay in addition to the tax. Yes. Now are they serious about getting their money? No, of course they are. The government is always serious about so the their point, money. So the point is, is and then you can find yourself with it if you don't do proactive tax planning and the market's down, 
and you're forced to take money out when it's down, it can be a spiraling effect. So there's many things, but the tax planning is it, it, if if the people here are not uh, listening, aren't doing proactive tax planning, they need to be. How do you know if you're doing proactive tax planning? You're doing it this year. You're you're dealing with 2019's taxes this year. You don't wait till February of next year and start when your CPA starts saying, hey, I need your receipts and this and that and yeah, your you, mortgage You've interest. been putting that in envelopes and things of that nature. You're recording history. It's too late. There's no proactive tax planning going on at that point. So very, very important that people come see this film. The tax train is coming. And then they can make their own decision. Like I said, this isn't a sales event. There's nothing to buy there. There's no. This is just purely to come watch a documentary. And it's very good. Yeah. It is. It's uh, It's not a waste of your time. Let's no. just put it that way. I've had many people that have, have seen it or previewed it and said, oh, wow, what that just an made my opener. blood run cold. Well, but you need to know. If you're sitting on a train tracks, it's like Wiley Coyote in the, uh, you remember the Roadrunner, right? Oh, of well, course. There, there was an episode where he was sitting on the train tracks, and of course, he's in a, a shed made by. Acme. Right. Yeah, and there's a train coming, and what does he do? He pulls down the. Yeah, he looks out and sees it. And he pulls he, the he shade just pulls down. the shade down as if like that's going to the train's going to go away. Of course, what happens? He gets hit. Of course, he so, turns and looks at the camera, and you know that yeah, he knows it's yeah. coming. If you are exactly, but if you're on the train tracks and you know that you have a tax problem, you've got to take action to get off the train tracks. Many people yep. listening here right now that have saved all their money in tax postponement plans are sitting on the proverbial train tracks. And listen, higher taxes in retirement is serious business, and many people are on the path to paying a fortune in taxes, and they're not even, it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. And by that time, oftentimes it's too late because they didn't do five, six, seven, ten years earlier, start that proactive tax planning. Yeah, well. It's, it's important. You know, a lot of people know there's serious things. It's like talking to people, have you prepared for that eventual day that you're going to die? Mm-hmm. Did you, have you talked about where you you know what do you want to do sure. you know with your family or that, oh I don't want to do that they, you know but I don't want that, to do that that's something that we can sometime I can come on and talk about we have uh, our partner companies done over one hundred seventy thousand trusts nationwide mm-hmm. and we do multiple marital trust revocable trust estate planning is a whole another subject. And if you don't get it right, you know, you're going to be, it's going to be drag, drug through probate. It's going to be, uh, it can be messy. And so with estate planning is because equally important. Because the government important. will steal the pennies off of a corpse's eyes. I'm just telling you. <laughs> That's hilarious. I had heard that truth. one, Dave. Yeah, pennies off a of corpse's eyes. Oh, sadly, it's the truth. But okay, so, so the next time you come on, let's yeah, have we, you come yeah. on and talk about a state plan. Yeah, that's uh, we. I'm not an attorney, but we have attorney partners. And then uh, the good thing is, is nothing gets the attorney listening. But typically, it's about half of what most attorneys are going to charge you. Uh-huh. And there's a bad thing about that industry. If you got two million dollars, guess what? You're oftentimes paying more for that trust document than if you got a half a million. It's the same documents. Sure. So, right, uh, we, we've we've negotiated. The paper really, doesn't yeah. go up. In so we cost. facilitate that all in our office, though. Oh, good. The, we, we sign the trust, the marital trust. All that's done right in our office, so with our partner uh, company. And, again, they've done over 170,000 of them, so they know what they're doing. It's been yeah. amazing to watch this guy and grow in knowledge and grow his business over the years I've known him. And he does that because people 
can trust him. I appreciate that. And Dave. people do a you know he does a great job of doing the best thing that he can possibly can do for the people when they'll let him. Yeah, and it's not, you know, I, I, there is no perfect product, I promise you that. I like to give the analogy, Dave, of a golf club. I mean, a, a golfing analogy. Do you ever play golf? Of course. Okay. Well, I've hit balls once. I'm not so good. But if you had to go this year to the Masters, Dave, and I said, you got to go. You're going. Yeah. You can choose one of two things. You can have the clubs of any player that's ever played a round of golf, or you could have their ability. Which would you want? I'll take the ability. You don't want Tiger Woods clubs? No. Yeah, you want his ability. Because his ability is not in the club. What is it that financial institutions have to sell? People in my industry. Clubs, products. Mm-hmm. You need the clubs and products to play. Because you're in the game of finance whether you want to or not. You do. But the greatest impact on your game comes from affecting your swing. Hence, it's about a process, not a product. It's about estate planning, proactive tax planning. It's about a comprehensive plan. 501, I hear the music. 501-653-6690 to get on that movie. Do I hear music or am I no, you know, just hearing things? No, you're hallucinating. You know what? That must be the, my tonight. Did you eat a piece of I got that pizza with mushrooms ear. on it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I should have warned you about that. I do hear music. <laughs> now you do, yes. 501-653-6690. Love to see you at one of our upcoming events, either the Maximizing Social Security or the movie. Looking forward to seeing you there. All right, Thanks brother. a lot, Dave. I'm going to let you come back the next time, talk about trust. We want, to, we want to do that. And David Lucas will fill in for me in September on the 26th. He won't spend the whole hour or four hours no, talking No, no, we'll talk politics. He'll have politics. We'll have, yeah, we'll, the man we'll is politically guessed. astute as well. And uh, so is his sister. Yeah, Carrie Lucas, president of Independent Women's Forum. Yeah, she's a, great. She just came out with a new book, great book about uh, progressivism. All right. I got to get out of here as well. Remember, God gave you a whole week of life. Give him an hour to talk to you on Sunday, wouldn't you? Amen. All right. Talk to you Monday, 2 o'clock. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 